start recording like right now because that is the, <laughs> that is the funniest fucking thing uh, i should have waited uh i i'm i am recording now i am testing our audio i'm just kind of adjusting a couple things on my end um you both sound great so thank you so much for using your mics and having your headphones i don't hear a single fucking thing in the background which makes me happy um i'm just playing around with your levels right now Mark, how are you doing today? I'm good. I'm good. Lazy Sunday, so perfect time to talk. Love it. And um, do, you, do you want me to call you one page? Do you want me to call you anything specific? Oh, just call me Mark. Yeah, just call no, you just, Mark. Just call you Mark. Yeah. Okay. With an exclamation point. Mark. <laughs> Mark. Mark. Or should it be like angrier? Mark. <laughs> yeah. Mark. Like a, like a mean dad. I was about to say, like my mom, <laughs> like my mother. We would need a middle name for that, though, and that's just that that's gets too true. Long. Then it gets to be too much. Mm-hmm. Um, we we both immediately let out a laugh when you sent over Mister Stringy. I do want to tell you that. Um, I have never been more excited. <laughs> yeah, I didn't think you were going to join me in on that call after that, so I was. <laughs> <laughs> no, we can't. We can't deny it now. I think like the. The whole, the whole, I'm not going to say I found you from Mr. Stringy, but it was definitely one of the first things I kind of glossed over. And uh, when, when Cannibal and I read it for the first time, it definitely left an impression, but we're, we're going to, we're going to get to that conversation. I think, um, I love a creepy fucking doll. You know, who doesn't a- love a creepy fucking doll? <laughs> I mean, Chucky has a whole new uh, season of TV or some shit right. now. S- second Good season on sci-fi. Second season. Mm-hmm. Um, what for me, for me, creepy doll started with Slappy from Goosebumps. Ah, I yes. was all about that ventriloquist dummy fear as a kid. Oh yeah. And R.L. Stein like tapped into that fucking nightmare fuel right there. And I think from the ages of like, I want to say five to like 10, it was definitely like, it was between Slappy and Pennywise. Uh, t- Tim, Tim Curry Pennywise. I fucking hate clowns. Tim dude. Curry Pennywise fucked me up, and so did, so did not even just like Goosebumps TV show Slappy. Like that one was kind of funny because like, you can tell in the episode when they put a midget in a costume, and just tell them to run back and forth in the background of a scene, and you can tell oh. when it's an actual, like ventriloquist quest dummy that's being you know played like a puppet, uh, and and I think. I think that kind of broke my my suspension of disbelief as a, as a ten year old. As a ten year old, I'm sitting there. I'm like, that looked like a real person in a costume. That's not some floating abomination ventriloquist dummy haunting my dreams. So, I, it definitely started with the books. I had a very wild imagination. I have a very wild imagination. I don't know why I'm going to say that in the I'm past. I have to tense. say, it had. Um, yeah. <laughs> And and as a kid, 
I would have this nightmare where my basement steps would turn into a slide and I would slide down and I'd get stuck in my basement and then my steps would disappear and Slappy would make me play hide-and-go-seek with him, and I would just be like, nope, no thanks, nope, and just try <laughs> to get out of my basement as soon as possible. Um, and that that was probably the recurring nightmare from, from uh, I want to say, like, age 5 Captain Death to age 10 Captain Death. I like picturing a tiny skeleton just, like, terrorized in his basement. By a dummy? <laughs> by a ventriloquist <laughs> dummy? <laughs> You know, it's you're so much braver just trying than to play me a because, game. Like, I would literally look at the covers of the books. I never even fucking read them, and I was like, "That is the worst thing I've ever seen in my life." No, I'm thank terrorized you. And then you put it down, and, and then you'd walk away. Yeah, and then I would like, but then I would like be afraid of it because I saw the cover. So I was like, I was like, "Yo, that guy ate so many worms. That could be me." <laughs> that guy said cheese and died. No way, dude. Put how down horrible. the book, walk away. <laughs> Which is funny because that's how I respond now to like anything vaguely supernatural. You just you you say no thank you and you walk away. Mark, that's actually a great entry point. What okay. what like thing did you read when you were little that got you into like short story horror? Uh I think as far as horror goes, my going back was book fairs at school. Yep. And I would always get the uh, um, books on the supernatural, ghost stories, anything like that. that mm-hmm. And it was like the one time of the year I could actually get my hands on those. Right. Yes. And they were age appropriate. And so I would just scoop all of those up. So that, that, I definitely really remember the Scholastic Book Fair mm-hmm. ar- around mm-hmm. here. Um, that was definitely when I would pick up comics like the most. Um, mm-hmm. I, I my 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 parents wouldn't let me read a lot of comic books they wanted to see me reading actual books and um i i definitely remember stealing a couple of those and putting them in my backpack and never telling my parents <laughs> about them but when it came to <laughs> when it came to like little kids stories i definitely remember and i and i tell this story on the um the schwartz episodes that we've recorded um be, the scary stories to tell in the dark Oh uh, yeah, um, I was literally just about to bring those up because those um, I did read. Yeah, speaking of covers that are terrifying, that was uh, uh, speaking of illustrations. Uh, Steve Steve yeah. Gamel, Steve Gamel, R.I.P. Shout out. Um, uh, those the art in those books will haunt me for, forever for the rest of yep. my life. Yep. And I used to read those by flashlight under my covers <laughs> at, at at the age of like eight. Um, and I would hide those under my pillow, hoping my my mom wouldn't find those books and, and yell at me for reading them because she knew something was giving me nightmares as a kid. And I, I being the fucker I was, would say, no, it's just spiders. I'm really afraid of spiders. And I wasn't afraid of spiders. Uh, I was, You're af- like I was actively... afraid of the man, the, the man standing across the street from that one story where his like face is falling apart. <laughs> you were like actively terrorizing yourself. I was. Like... <laughs> I was. I was. I actually genuinely was. And my uh, my brother and I shared a room as a kid, so he also had to deal with it. And he also <laughs> called me a fucking idiot multiple times. He's four years older than me. So he's sitting, he's sitting over there. He's already like 12 or 13. And he's like, will you stop fucking reading those stupid fucking stories in the middle of the night? I'm trying to fucking sleep. 
stop cry- <laughs> stop crying and making noises over there, you know and and that was that was basically my childhood uh the the young the young captain death um what was it the story about the girl with the the boil full of spiders <laughs> i was like yeah that's that one that one definitely gave me a couple nightmares and i would just summarize it by saying yeah i'm afraid of spiders to my mom no what i was really afraid of was spiders laying eggs inside my face um mm-hmm. it, it's hard to quite say that when you're eight they, years old they really did that justice in the movie too they just wow i can't believe yeah out of all the things they chose to do that was one of the (laughs) that was one of the ones they chose to do um i i watched that movie and i definitely needed parental guidance and i i am very much not 13 in case you were wondering that movie was a little tough for um for pushing the boundary of a pg-13 rating um i didn't i didn't hate it it's just when you when you read that series um you you there's just so much to enjoy through the entire spectrum and the wraparound mm-hmm. narrative of trying to pull something like that together is just always very clunky mm-hmm. <laughs> and you never quite get everything you want out of it that was i, I, th- I still thought it was a fun little attempt um because they definitely brought in some of the more uncomfortable ones like the like the, the spiders and the and the hugging woman the, the woman at the end of the hallway whatever that one was from mm. it's, it's it's that slow moving inevitable that we yes the it time. follows yeah. The yeah. It follows. Um, it, we we love all different kinds of horror here on Lots of Pasta, and I think one of the one of our favorite tropes recently has been the I'm I am slowly approaching you, and there is nothing you can do about it. <laughs> mm-hmm. Not a damn thing. <laughs> uh, so we're we're running right into it. I'm gonna introduce um, today's guests. Obviously, I have. Cannibal Siren here with me uh, on today's wondrous milestone of a fucking episode. Um, we're we're so excited for this episode. Excited. Like, I remember bringing this up like a year ago and being like, "This has the prospect of happening." Yes. And she also was like, "Yeah." <laughs> and and then we like talked about it for like a year, and now we're finally doing it. <laughs> Hell yeah. It's, Hell yeah. We are we are so excited to have uh Mark here with us today. Author self-proclaimed Mark exclamation point. Um the the author of One Page Wonder, aka Stories to Read Alone at Night. Um, hello, hello, hello. It is so wonderful to have you here i am so fucking pumped this is episode 250 this is going to be the new year's episode so welcome to 2023 fuckers um we are getting spooky right off the bat and um what what we're we're still alive (laughs) (laughs) yeah hopefully at this point so um we are looking at um man we're looking at quite a story in front of us you brought something to the table uh for this episode and i i have kind of i have a game plan for this episode right my okay my game plan is we're gonna read something real quick that you specifically wrote for us specifically wrote for today um mm-hmm. 
And I feel so honored <laughs> that you would think of Cannibal Siren and myself and immediately want to throw us back into the world of Mr. Stringy. <laughs> yes. <laughs> <laughs> the fact that he is joining us on this episode warms my heart. And mm -hmm. and then I, I kind of want to do a brief interview where we're going to kind of talk about everything you've written um, very quickly, okay. very quickly. I'm not going to, I have fun little bullet points saved between me and Siren that we're going to hit you with. Yeah. And then um, we're going to do a very short interview, um, just asking you a couple questions about, you know, what inspires you, where it comes from, you know, where a couple of these ideas came from, or even just like, what were you thinking when you wrote this? Um, I just have a couple things saved on my end, um, but we're going to start with a story because if there's one thing people like the most about our podcast, it is the scary storytelling aspect and the fact that we get all of our media from pretty much all over the internet. There, there are like now defunct sites that we've even read from in the past that I don't even, I don't even know where they are anymore. Mm -hmm. One, one of them was a Tumblr that's just now gone. Um, uh, one of them is a is a a web like chat room from like 2006. Mm -hmm. uh, I don't know how I found that, but I did. Oh wow! And how the um, hell did you find that? So that that one hit me from the title of it because the entire chat room is called "Not Hot but Spicy," mm. and I remember being like, "That's a fun name." And I clicked on it, and it turned out to be a chat room where people would tell either slice of life fictional stories, troll stories, or like IRL encounters uh, with things like dating around 2000. And some of it's really compelling. Some of it's really interesting stuff where it's like a guy talks about his military service. And then when like he came home, he just started to notice things more mm -hmm. because that's just like how his life led him through that point and there was nothing really like off-putting about it but he was just like yeah and then one day i drove past this like farmhouse and i just i noticed that there was like fresh paint and i just remember thinking like this farmhouse hasn't been used by anyone in like years and then i went in and looked at it and there were like fresh like food and chains and stuff and i was like who is using this place and it was just very interesting to hear someone talk about like a completely weird happenstance that happened to them and then the other like 50 percent of that chat room is like people just wanting to tell like little ghost stories and shit so it felt like an internet campfire you know yeah that's when creepypasta was like really at its best in my opinion because they were yeah. short and you just didn't know where they came from and it was like nobody was going for the karma or whatever you know right there's stories. no there's right. no there's no recourse there's no real mm -hmm. conversation it's literally people just putting shit out there to put it out there and and not hot but spicy isn't the best example it's just it's the weirdest example that i can find mm -hmm. and and I think um, we just did one a couple episodes ago. Shout out to Terry the Tickler. He has an episode coming out. I think it's like 242 um, where we read, I think, like the eighth episode of Not Hot But Spicy Material that we've ever done, mm -hmm. which is very interesting that we keep coming back to it because it's just it's so random. People like right. this episode, the one the recent one we did is like 
a guy telling stories that like his grandma used to tell him as a kid. And I found that interesting because of like the lineage aspect, the word of mouth aspect where like this didn't come from the internet. This didn't come from a book. This came from my family member telling me a spooky story when I was like a kid. And I found that really interesting. Um, but yeah, like um, creepypasta is where this shit started. Um, as, as everyone knows who listens to this, my entryway was Slenderman. Um, mm-hmm. Other people on the show had Candle Cove, Russian Sleep Experiment. I think um, mine was actually a Russian Sleep Experiment. I'm almost of, sure that that was A lot of people had me. that one. It went around 4chan for a long time. Oh, God, um, yeah. Oh, yeah. And, and a lot of people found it that way. Um, I remember Django saying that he, he learned about Candle Cove and it, and it bugged him because he thought it was mm-hmm. like a real thing. Um, because that was the quality of the story. The quality of the story was no, like, can't you as a kid remember like a little show about like marionette pirates? And like in my head, like as a kid, you're like, yeah, I can kind of, I can kind of put that together. Some gully gully Island type of bullshit. Mm -hmm. And, um, and you, you kind you, you make it up yourself. You know, your, your brain does the other 50% of the heavy lifting because you start to convince mm-hmm. yourself the reality exactly. of these stories. And that's what I did with Slenderman. As a kid, I watched Marble Hornets and I got into the lore and I saw the, the doctored pictures. And I, I, I loved that he was, he measured up to the belief you put in him. Mm-hmm. And that sounds awful now in retrospect to yeah. what happened with the girls kids, and the documentary. Yeah. Oh, yeah. But in in hindsight, that is what terrified me as a kid. So it's all in testament to the kind of hive mind of, you know, youth being able to bring power to something like that. So mm-hmm. um, if, if I were to, if I were to put you on the, on the, pedestal real quick mark what what would you say your creepypasta entryway was for me and i'm gonna date myself here because i <laughs> i love think it. i could be your father yeah <laughs> please please do but i'd always enjoyed writing just and wanted to get in uh because i've been doing at work a lot of like technical writing writing user manuals mm-hmm. health guides things of that nature okay um and then before that, it was all academic writing. So I wanted to just get into creative writing. And uh, I figured it would be better to write within a genre starting out. And I'd always loved horror stories. And then I saw that uh, a long time ago, I saw the uh, links linking to the original something awful, awful forum. Yes. That had the guy explaining Slenderman. Mm-hmm. And he was like, oh, I just make these pictures and put them up on the web. And here's the backstory and stuff. Uh, Victor Surge. The original, the original, the original guy. Yeah. And I was like, oh, wait, you can just like write stuff and put it on the Internet. So that was that was how I got into writing creepy. No, that's that's not dating you at all, because I think I was getting into that when I was in high school. And I remember being like, oh, this is a this is a thing. We're witnessing a thing. happen." Mm -hmm. I was a part of like the YouTube generation as a kid. Um, okay. E-bombs world, new, new grounds. Uh-huh. Like mm-hmm. I, I mm-hmm. was into 
little horror flash video games and flash movies and stuff like pre YouTube. So when, when YouTube did get started and I just started throwing bullshit on there as like a 12 year old, um, mm-hmm. I, I also came to the same kind of realization. I was like, we are witnessing people being able to just make shit up and put it on the internet. And, mm-hmm. and and completely sell it. And this is years after shit like Blair Witch, where I was already like convincing myself that people can make shit up, like for widespread cinema. Like as a 10-year-old being explained Blair Witch by my father because he's telling me I can't go see it. You know, that's when I sort of came to this realization. I was like, so is it a movie? And he's like, Well, no. Well, yeah, but no. And I'm but like, also, I'm like, so it's not all made up. It might be real. And he's like, I, I don't know. Well, that was the magic of the marketing of that. Film. That was the magic. And, and I remember the magic, the magic of Slenderman was seeing these photos and being like, this looks, this looks really real. Mm-hmm. And, and the Internet only has vague information about it. And I cannot decipher the fiction from the reality on this and and that just that always boggled me as a kid and when when marvel hornets did what they did and it kind of like trailed off and became something else that the beginning of that will still haunt me forever and and if you've never if you've never dabbled in marvel hornets maybe it's too late because it's definitely a time period thing but um if you guys don't remember Marble Hornets, it was the the YouTube group that filmed the first like Slenderman like series where they it was just um the story was a group of kids were getting together to shoot a movie during the summer. And slowly the kids start to either go crazy or go missing. And it was just over a series of like eight minute long videos that all got uploaded to YouTube like week by week by week by week by week but they were all feeding into this story of paranoia, feeling like you're being watched. You would see a guy standing in a suit in the, in the background of some videos you would like a guy would be like, Oh, I I hear something outside and he'd go to his window and you'd see like a guy in a suit jacket, like just walk out of the light. And it was just really haunting shit for like a, I don't know, 13 year old. (laughs) You know, it's I think that that's actually really funny because I like that kind of horror was so fucking popular in like the, you know, the 2000s. And it was like everybody and their mom started doing the creepypasta thing uh, after, you know, I I don't know how long it lasted. um, I don't know how long that era that we were just talking about lasted. In in under 10 years, it became it became Reddit and it became no sleep. So, right. Mm -hmm. Yeah, right. No, the aggregators and, just ate up all that content, which I think right. is a shame. They migrated exactly. a lot of it too. Uh, uh, almost yeah. anything you could have found on Creepypasta would then move over to No Sleep at some point in its tenure. Mm-hmm. You know what's funny though is that I do wonder if it kind of influenced the way that like horror in like greater pop culture went because we did have that kind 100%. of like 
that kind of swing where everybody was just trying to make things look as real as possible. 100%. And that was, of course, when like, you know, CGI was becoming really popular and actually good at that point. That so was they also could the rise of like... found footage. The, right, the, exactly. Yeah, the rise of um, the POV shit, like put, mm-hmm. putting you in in that story physically. Right. Um, and... The willing to experiment with side shit, too. The willing to experiment with more psychological storytelling, I think. Uh, Right. And that's what I mean, too, because I feel like we it was doing that for a while. And then it swung out into like just making things as realistic as possible for like a split second. But then lately I've noticed like, you know, now or within like the last couple of years, it's they're What are they're calling them? Like they're calling it analog horror, I think. Yes. And yeah. that's really popular, and like, it really feels like yeah. the earlier kind of creepypasta An- stuff that I grew up Analog horror with. now, the rise in analog horror, like um, like backrooms and right, exactly. And what's what's the one? What do they call the the guys? The people who come through the TV? What's that one? Shit, I can't remember, but I, I think know exactly. The, I think what they just they they just call it like the um, the listener video or something like that. It's like these uh the series of electric impulses but it's like um or like the strangers the invitations there's there's like a name for like the people that don't exist but um analog horror is huge now and it's definitely because of um the technology from like the 80s and 90s the technology that we grew up with as a kid kind of coming back to haunt us i think Hmm. yeah exactly and there's something there's something creepy about a CRV TV right now. Like there's something there's something like and I do think like Marble Hornets ran with that because the quality is very it's a home video in the 90s and we're VHS taping this, you know, and like kids are flubbing lines and kids are, are trying to read a script. And then you just see like a guy standing in the background like that. That didn't really exist. And I'm going to go ahead and give. M. Night Shyamalan a little bit of a nod. I've always I've always appreciated his storytelling, I suppose, but like it definitely like the the what a twist mentality definitely came from like creepypastas and no sleeps and shit. Um, Without a doubt. It was very oh, yeah. it was it was a very Hitchcockian thing at first, but then the twists became ridiculous. So <laughs> so it's not nearly as smart and you're like Right. And they always happen within the last act. So it's not yeah. quite, so it's not quite Hitchcockian <laughs> in, its, in its presentation, but you know it it definitely had this kind of last minute gut punch kind of feel of of like a new age creepypasta, new age no sleep, um, but it also still had that kind of grounded um, slice of life feeling to it, because um, you know everyone loves to talk about the scene from Signs where the alien steps out of the bush on the oh, yeah. uh, on the VHS screen in the closet and like that's analog horror 101 right there like that's that's something that that kids remember watching on a shitty tv screen when they were 10 and it's about how they saw it that was terrifying like recreate that scene in 4k right now it's not going to be nearly as scary there was something about the presentation of that scene with joaquin phoenix sitting in a fucking closet uh, CRV TV literally two inches from his face and the kind of blurred static with the presentation of that scene. <laughs> and, and, you know, that's, that's definitely stuck. And I'm, and I'm glad that you brought that up because it's, um, it's definitely something we're going to get into, I think more as, um, 
it's something other people have already talked about on the show, uh, Cannibal Siren. So we're definitely going to keep moving in that direction. I think it's something that's definitely become a little bit more prevalent in uh, online horror over the last couple of years. Um, to, to completely switch gears, um, back to the discussion of what Mark has brought to the table today. I think we're going to jump into our story because people, people come to us one part to listen to us bullshit and one part to listen to us read stories and we're going to, and we're all out of bullshit. So we're, (laughs) no, we're, we're, we're chalked the brim, uh, full of bullshit and it's going to come after the story. So I want to... Uh, use whatever brain cells I have left to get through a story first. And um, what what a wonderful thing you've presented us here with today, Mark. Um, if anyone knows from a stories to read alone at night episode with me and Cannibal Siren, uh, you know how much we appreciate the character that is <laughs> Mr. Stringy. <laughs> he's so special. Oh, he's, he's, <laughs> he's a good little, he's a good little lad. And, um, there, there, I don't want to, I don't want to jump the gun by asking too many questions about Mr. Stringy because I know they're going to come later, <laughs> but I, I love the mystery of Mr. Stringy. Too. I feel like he's, <laughs> I just, I feel like he just exists on his own terms, you know? Like, I know that Mark writes the stories, but I, I just can't help but feel like he's, like, telling you what to do. <laughs> he's like, he's like, no, put that shit in there. It'll really fuck him up. <laughs> yeah, I can't comment on that right now. <laughs> Mr. Stringy standing behind your desk chair with, like, a knife. With a knife to your back. Knife <laughs> to your back. Like, say the funny. <laughs> Write a story about me at Christmas time. It'll be great. Um, there's <laughs> you want to preface, though, I, a quick um, just word of note. This one's a little rough still. We ended up scheduling this podcast a little sooner than I was expecting. So you're <laughs> going to be more proofreaders for me today since I I would appreciate reading nothing more <laughs> Than the first draft of a Mr. Stringy goes to Christmas, <laughs> which so is what excited. it looks like we're going to read. So I would I would literally love nothing more than a I just got done writing this five minutes before starting this podcast with you. Enjoy reading this. Yeah. Um, I'm so excited. We are we are well, both. Then you can check when this airs and see if I paid attention to any of your notes or not. So. Okay. I, that that is that's even funnier because that's a, another point of the conversation that we're gonna have later. So I definitely want to read this. Um, it looks it looks perfect perfectly sized. So we're gonna get through this real quick. And um, is there any character you want to read for Mark, or are you gonna sit back and let us just read this to you? I think I'm just gonna mute my microphone and just leave it to the voice actors. <laughs> okay, so. Um, we're we're going to uh, we're going to quickly start with a story that Mark has prepared for us. Shout out to um, both of his sources, both of his um, usernames. Again, that's at one page wonder. 
and then the the wonderful website that I'm sure I'm going to talk about later as well, which is stories to read alone at night. And um, we're going to jump into the third Mr. Stringy story, uh, which is Mr. Stringy comes home again for Christmas. I just love the implication that he's just been on like a vacay. <laughs> he's like, he's like, y'all are sure so to come much home the holiday season. <laughs> he's like, oh, these fucking crazy kids. I don't love them, but I have to show up for the holidays or they're going to know I don't love them. It's so. little Timmy's first Christmas. I got to stop by. And make sure Actually, I'm just I'm thinking he's the next elf on a shelf, so I'm looking for the merchandise. <laughs> oh, that's amazing. Bro, he should be we... the elf on the shelf for Halloween, Mr. Stringy. Yeah. Put, put your Mr. Stringy out next to the jack-o'-lanterns and see if your house is on fire the next day. Listen, I I always, I didn't have the elf on the shelf growing up. My Neither mom did I. It haunted it. me. Yeah, my mom always hated it, and I always hated it. We both thought it was fucking creepy as fuck. And so this just, like, works so perfectly. Yeah, I don't think doll. I talked about it, but when um when we did the 200th special and I made that game full of creepypasta stuff, um, Mr. Stringy was a NPC um, enemy Ooh. in the game, but no one ever found him. He was in a he was in a box, I think, in the attic or in the basement, but no one ever found him during the campaign. Everyone, everyone always got stuck talking to Mr. Widemouth instead of finding Mr. Stringy. So mm. I blame myself for that one. Um, <laughs> but yeah, we're going to we're going to give Mr. Stringy his his due um, because he's probably like the icon of uh, stories to read alone at night for us. And um, it's we're going to we're going to read his uh, his Christmas threequel real quick. <laughs> Amazing Bill Day. It was a beautiful spring morning, brisk but not chilly, the kind of morning that promised a pleasant afternoon, just like today. <laughs> I had risen early partially because I could not sleep, but also because I wanted to give my peanut butter blossoms a chance to cool. I had considered baking them the night before, but wanted to make sure that they would be fresh for Bill. Satisfied with the look of the peanut butter blossoms, I placed them on a cooling rack and proceeded to get ready for the day. I rummaged through my clothes, trying to find something to wear, but everything seemed wrong. Unable to decide, I grabbed the usual jeans and a random t-shirt, accepting the fact that nothing I owned was in any way more stylish or different than anything else, nor was it different from anything anyone else wore. Mood. <laughs> that is a mood that was That's near cool. impossible given that everyone here shopped at the same few stores I'd always been aware that I lived in a small town but now it seemed to be growing smaller by the minute I wouldn't have given any of this a second thought but Leah had agreed to accompany me to the spring jubilee Leah was from the city and came all the way out here to live with her aunt nobody knew why but that didn't stop them from speculating people around here liked to talk especially considering the fact that nothing she wore could be found within a hundred miles of here. She was probably the only person in town who didn't own an item of clothing from the tractor supplies store. We love a fashion icon. <laughs> okay, Leah. That's you. I don't know. <laughs> I don't know why she agreed. I remember those mermaid leggings. You were the first person I saw uh... wearing those. 
that's so, it's so funny because I feel like that dates me in like my <laughs> Tumblr era, and like, and it's it was totally a beautiful true. time. It was. It was. <laughs> I don't know why she agreed to go with me, or to be honest, I wasn't entirely sure she had. When I asked her if she liked to go, she just sighed, and murmured, "Sure." Keeping an eye on the clock, I carefully wrapped the peanut butter blossoms in a paper bag and tied the top with a length of ribbon to secure the contents. I placed them in my backpack along with the hoodie and a half-frozen water bottle. I reasoned that the water bottle would help keep the cookies from melting, and it carried the added benefit of a refreshing drink. I don't know why, but I was proud of my ingenuity. My pride was quickly diminished by three soft knocks on the front door. Hey. Leah said as I opened the door. Hey, I answered back, matching her hey casual tone and trying not to smile like a complete idiot. I wasn't sure if you'd show up. Not like I had anything better to do. <laughs> Besides, you're the only person in this town who will even talk to me. I wouldn't take it personally. It just takes time for people to warm up to strangers around here. They still call Sheriff Biggs the new guy, even though he's lived here for 15 years. Yeah. So, should we get going? Trying to stay upbeat. Sure. <laughs> sure. <laughs> sure. <laughs> I joined her on the porch, locking the door behind me. You remember to bring a gift? I asked, cautiously afraid that if she hadn't, she'd refuse to go. I considered baking a batch of snickerdoodles as backup in case she forgot, but making a gift for someone else didn't feel in line with the spirit of Amazing Bill. Yeah, I brought a gift. You wrapped it, right? People aren't supposed to see what it is. I didn't mean to press, but it was important. Amazing Bill didn't want people to try to outdo each other with their gifts, just something small and simple, but from the heart, and absolutely no money, not even gift cards. Leah pulled a small rectangle wrapped in fabric from her bag. Does this count? It's perfect. She narrowed her eyes. You want to see what it is, don't you? I began to shake my head, but she couldn't. But I couldn't mask my curiosity. It's probably not a bad idea just to make sure it's keeping with the spirit. And she undid a safety pin and removed the cloth, revealing a framed ink drawing of a dragon in flight. In its talons, it held a pinup girl who posed breathlessly with an open nice. palm to her forehead. <laughs> oh, hell yeah. <laughs> I was going to say, you're going to get that tattooed. Yeah. I couldn't help but notice that the girl bore a striking resemblance to Leah. Well. I think he's going to love it. I finally said, distracted by the enormous breasts bursting from the <laughs> pinup's too tight flannel shirt. She shot me a quizzical look. We walked along Main Street towards the fairgrounds. We called it the fairgrounds, but it was just whatever part of Jensen's field they were keeping fallow that year. Leah stopped after a few hundred yards and fished through her bag, producing a pack of cigarettes. She held them out, offering me one, but I shook my head. She shrugged and put one to her lips, and after lighting it, she took a drag. So, this Bill guy? What do you mean? I asked. It's amazing bill he comes here every year for the spring jamboree it's it's the reason most people go yeah i get that but why you bring him gifts why well they aren't really like gifts not like what you'd give someone for their birthday but like 
we like to call them uh, tokens of appreciation, a small gesture to say thank you. At least that was how my mom had explained it to me. And in return, he reads your fortune. And you all come out for it? He doesn't read fortunes. He has a gift. He gives revelations. Oh my god, you're dragging me to some Jesus bullshit, aren't you? No, no, nothing like that. Hoping she wouldn't turn and run. It's amazing Bill. Mostly he just says things like, stay in school and don't forget to floss. But sometimes he has like <laughs> something important for you. Like he told Hank O'Connor where to dig his well. And? Hank hit water where the geologists swore there wouldn't be any. And he told Annie Dreyer about the money from her mother's estate that her lawyer was hiding from her. The lawyer ended up going to prison. I, there's more, but everyone says that if Amazing Bill has a revelation for you, that you need to listen carefully. Leah looked startled. I don't, I didn't mean to scare her, but Amazing Bill could change her life. Like, don't worry. It's a good time. If you don't want to meet Bill, you don't have to. And there's also rides and games and other stuff. She stepped on her cigarette and we began to walk. To a psychic once. She said she sensed a bad presence around me and she could remove it for $500. Did you give her the money? Hell no. If she was so psychic, she would have known I didn't have $500. <laughs> Amazing Bill would never do that. He would never cheat anyone. He's been coming here for longer than I've been alive, and no one has ever said anything bad about him. You might think we're just a bunch of dumb hicks, but we don't take that kind of nonsense. Think that? At least not about all of you. I contemplated whether or not that was a compliment as we continued along. Soon, the sights of the Jubilee came into view. A ferris wheel greeted us festively above the rooftops of brightly colored tents. It was early still, but there were already numerous cars parked haphazardly around the field, and the breeze beckoned us with a bouquet of funnel cakes and barbecue. That's Amazing Bill's tent, I informed her as we approached. A small crowd had already gathered, forming a disorganized queue around the brightly colored carnival tent. Every year, Amazing Bill rides in from the west at noon sharp, and when he's done, he rides east. Nobody knows why. Nobody's ever followed him? I don't think anyone would, like, ever disrespect him like that. Besides, he drives like a complete maniac. It was still early, so we took the opportunity to amble about the fairgrounds, browsing the various craft items and foodstuffs the vendors peddled from their stalls. Leah caught obvious stares from the townsfolk, and it wasn't until we were out among them that I understood why. Her jet black hair and ripped jean jacket replete with pins of bands I'd never heard of contrasted heavily with the floral dresses and cowboy boots the other girls were so fond of wearing. But if she noticed the stares, she didn't let on. Mark, you from my hometown. You might have written this <laughs> Are you, are you, Leah, wearing your... No. <laughs> I, I, wear, I, wear, I wear sweatpants exclusively. <laughs> I'm so lazy. <laughs> we joined a small crowd and watched as Mike Campbell 
attempted to knock milk bottles from a pedestal. He was the varsity pitcher and quite renowned for his knuckleball, but despite his best efforts, a solitary bottle remained. The crowd groaned in disappointment. It's okay, I still love you, his girlfriend exclaimed, which elicited applause among the crowd. She's a keeper, Mike, someone shouted as the couple kissed. They used to have a guess-your-weight booth that used to really draw the crowds. M Mr. Davis, the auctioneer, ran it. He really put on a show. What happened? Well, he took it really seriously, poking and prodding people and talking about them in his auctioneer voice like they were cattle. And the thing was, he always guessed right. And then one time, Mrs. Haley entered the booth, and, and she's a big woman, so this drew an even larger crowd, and everyone just kind of held their breath, waiting to see what Mr. Davis would do. And without missing a beat, he went into his routine. He circled her, sizing her up, but then he stopped. I'm sorry, Mrs. Davis, he said, handing her her dollar back, but the scale only goes up to 350. <laughs> and Mrs. Haley stomped off in a huff and not a minute later Mr. Haley stormed in threatening to get his gun from his fully equipped F-250 extended cab well and after that the town agreed that the guess your way booth probably wasn't in keeping with the times but why did he include the part about the truck she asked overlooking the pure comedy of someone being too fat for the guess your way booth <laughs> Well, Mr. Haley owns the Ford dealership and never misses a chance at self-promotion, I said, remembering that she was new to town. Well, at least everyone learned a lesson in body positivity, even if it was at the threat of violence. I think it was mostly about the violence. People here are proud of the fact that we don't have those big city problems. I checked the time and decided that we'd best head back to Amazing Bill's tent. I wanted to make sure that we got a good place in line and didn't want Leah to miss his grand entrance. We filed into the queue and joined the crowd in staring west. We waited in silent anticipation as the clock neared twelve. Any second now, you'll see. Amazing Bill's always right on time. There he is! Someone shouted, pointing to a wisp of dust in the distance. The wisp gradually turned into a plume, and soon the engine of Amazing Bill's motorcycle was audible, growing from a low rumble to a roar. People cheered. Amazing Bill had returned, promises kept. He sped into the fairground on his signature black and chrome bike, a small empty trailer in tow. He raced to the front of the tent and abruptly stopped, blanketing the crowd in, in a cloud of dust. We all applauded and hooted as he jumped from the seat. It was Bill, all right with his signature riding chaps, his silver hair and matching handlebar mustache, right down to his black shirt emblazoned with a coyote howling at a full moon. Leah asked as he no, strutted. No, I said, hold on, I'm sorry, I, I was making a joke. That's amazing, Bill. <laughs> Leah asked as he strutted to and fro, sizing up the crowd. The one and the only. <laughs> what was the joke you were making? Oh, I just said smash. <laughs> smash <laughs> so um I, I I like Amazing Bill uh, I immediately thought of uh, how Paul Rudd enters any of the seasons of um uh Wet Hot American Summer <laughs> on his motorcycle and he like always crashes it 
and everyone yeah. everyone is just like, yeah, great, he's here, and like he almost dies like each time, and he like steps off of it like it didn't happen. It's just amazing. I I I think Bill has that kind of joie de vivre. The energy. Yeah. Amazing Bill pointed his index finger to the sky and cocked his thumb back in the shape of a pistol, causing an uproar. He pointed his finger at us, waving his left hand over his thumb as if unloading a revolver into the crowd. People played along, placing their hands over their hearts and shouting, He got me! I've been hit! He blew on the tip of his finger and holstered his invisible pistol, then proceeded to pepper the crowd with his invisible shotgun, making a pumping motion with his left arm. People cradled their bellies as if being gut shot, delighting all those who played along with his pantomime. Amazing Bill paused for a moment, allowing us to catch our breath. He then proceeded to extend his left arm towards us, made a fist, and turned an invisible crank with his other hand. The Gatling gun, I exclaimed. He doesn't usually pull that move. He's a real showman. Leah looked at me as though I had two heads, and as the crowd, again, ate up the spectacle. A moment later, Amazing Bill raised both of his arms towards the crowd and waved his fingers, signaling an end to his hijinks. <laughs> the cheers faded, drawing to silence. I just wanted to start this year by saying that I heard about old Ed. I wanted to say I'm sorry. He was a good man. A veteran. He will be missed. We all nodded along in agreement. But enough about Ed. He had 79 years on this planet, a good run for sure, and more than I deserve. Now as I was riding in, I saw something peculiar. I'm just riding along, looking forward to seeing your kind faces when what comes across my path? A jackrabbit perched atop an old stump. Now, normally they skitter off at first sight of my hog, but not this one. He just sat there as calm as he can be, and as I got closer, he showed me why. This rabbit was bathed in an aura of deep goldenrod. Ladies and gentlemen, that was no ordinary jackrabbit. That was a guide, and as I passed him, I spotted him in my mirror. He was following me, keeping an even pace, and you all know how I ride. Like the devil himself, <laughs> someone shouted from the back, and the audience roared. Maybe, maybe, Bill responded, but that rabbit was rooting me on. He was saying, ride, Bill, ride to the good people of Shallow Rapids and deliver them a revelation. They need you, Bill. That town needs you. And you know what I told that old coot? We leaned forward expectantly. I told him, don't you worry your whiskers about it, Jack. Old Bill's here for the people of Shallow Rapids. The crowd cried jubilantly. He really is amazing, someone shouted. Leah groaned incredulously. Now why don't you all line up nice and orderly while I take a moment to prepare and we'll get on with it. We did as Amazing Bill instructed. Mayor Barnes pulled the tent door open for Amazing Bill and made sure to close it gently behind him. The mayor served as the unofficial custodian of Bill's visits, helping to sort his tokens and making sure nobody tried to cut in line. Not that anybody would. We all understood the rules. Unwritten, 
though they were. Before long, the mayor nodded to the first in line. Taking the cue, Mrs. Rose stepped forward and placed her token in the empty trailer. The mayor opened the tent door and waved her inside, leaving the rest of us waiting in anticipation. A moment later, the canvas door opened and Mrs. Rose exited quietly. Do you think she got a revelation? No, you'll know when that happens. Have you ever received one? Not yet, shaking my head. Maybe one day. People filed in and out as the day drew on. The sun was now high in the sky and no one had yet received a revelation. People entered and soon exited the tent in steady fashion. Some emerged crestfallen. Some looked comforted, others nonchalant. People began to murmur, wondering aloud why Bill had yet to deliver. Maybe he's lost his touch, I heard someone say. Maybe he's disappointed with the tokens this year, someone else followed. But the speculation soon ended with Will Gorman. Like everyone else, he placed his token in the trailer and quietly entered the tent. Only, he didn't emerge for a good five minutes. And when he did, he gave the crowd a once-over and walked intently to his truck, leaving with a small wake of dust and grass clippings as he drove away. The mayor poked his head in the door and called, Revelation! He widened the flap, giving sight to Amazing Bill lying unconscious on the ground inside. We all cheered. That's it. That's a revelation. That's how you know. I knew he'd deliver, a voice we said. Were, <laughs> we were wrong to doubt him. Another chimed in. The crowd was rejuvenated. The air was electric. Only a few people now remained between us and Amazing Bill. Is it true what you said? Is what true? That a revelation can change your life? Well, sure. Everyone says that if Bill has a revelation for you, listen carefully. Is that why that guy booked it out of here so fast? I think that people don't want to draw too much attention to themselves if they're about to come into something good. And that was true. Come into some money around here and suddenly everyone is a best friend or distant relative. Makes sense. But I wouldn't worry too much about it. Very few people ever get a revelation. It's better not to overthink it. It's like dreaming about winning the lottery. Anyways, you want to get something to eat after this? God, yes, I'm starving. You've got to try the barbecue. It's the best around. Wondering if this counted as a date. Ooh. Spicy. Spicy. Next, the mayor called. I hadn't realized that they were, we were already in the front of the line. Ladies first, I said, motioning to Leah. <laughs> Ladies first, sure. I said, motioning to Leah. Sure, why not? She placed her token in the trailer and entered the tent. Time passed slowly as I waited for her to emerge. After several minutes, she reappeared. She wore a strange expression that I couldn't make head or tails of, but that was hardly out of the ordinary. Revelation, the mayor called opening the flap for the curious onlookers. Sure enough, Amazing Bill was again out cold. Poor dear. I heard a woman say. I looked to Leah, unsure if I should go to her, but she just put a cigarette in her mouth and took a seat at a picnic table. 
I wondered if she would tell me what Bill said to her. I doubted it, as she wasn't exactly forthcoming. I still didn't know why she was out here, living with her aunt. Next, the mayor called. I complied, placing my token in the trailer, and entered the tent. Patrick, Amazing Bill said. Take a seat. Oh, this character's name is fucking Patrick? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I've been reading as like a, a little femi, little femi girl. All right. I sat at the folding table, eager to hear what he had to say. You've grown, he said, looking me over with his pale blue eyes. What are you, 17 now? I nodded. Time sure does fly. 17. Your folks good? I again nodded. Yeah, they're good. Shame they couldn't make it. Your mom's out visiting your pops all the way, uh, out there in Lakeview? Yeah, he's been out there for six months now. We'll tell them I miss them and give them my regards. I will. You're not throwing any wild parties or getting up to no good while they're away, are you? No, of course not, I said with a chuckle. But you came here with Leah. Yeah, caught off guard. And you didn't tell your poor mom. You knew she disapproved, so you kept it a secret. Don't lie to Bill now. I guess, yeah. Struck by his tone, I always thought of Amazing Bill as a fun uncle type. But now there was something menacing in his voice. Bad things happen when you lie, Patrick. Bad things. I always pictured you with Kelsey. I know she's caught your eye. She's a sweet thing. She's from here. Good family. And Leah, why, she's as sour as a crab apple. I didn't know how to respond. How did he know any of this? Your pops, he's got a good job. Lineman, that's a good job. It pays well, but it's dangerous work. High voltage is not something to be fickle with. Especially not up here. Not up high with all the wind. Not like it blows in Lakeview. A gale can come with no notice, but you know that. That's why the job pays so well. Did you know there's talk of closing the paper mill? I shook my head. No, I, I hadn't heard that, I said meekly. That's a tragedy. Soon there won't be any decent jobs left around here. It's a mighty good thing your pops has his, unless, of course, the wind. The wind? It can blow strange when you invite the undesirable, the unwanted. She's keen on you, but not like you think. She wants to take you away from here to poison your mind. Ideas like that, uh, they grow like a cancer. I'll tell you this because I'm worried about you, Patrick. Why, when I rode in, I thought to myself, look how Patrick's grown. Now that's a promising young man, one of shallow rapids finest. But the wind blows, Patrick. I was a deer in headlights. Now come to your senses, Patrick. You don't want her. Nobody here does. People talk, Patrick. You can't be seen with her. It's a disgrace, truly a disgrace. Your poor mother. His pale blue eyes now appeared solid white under the shifting light of the tent canvas. 
Take Leah home, Patrick. Take her home on the back road. Mr. Gorman will meet you there by the bridge. By the bridge, there's a copse. It's that copse. There's an oak on the ground. By the oak is a dead branch. It's heavy. It's old growth. It's waiting for you. One swing, Patrick. One swing with that branch, and Mr. Gorman will take care of the rest. Amazing Bill slumped in his chair and fell to the floor. I sat there for a moment, nonplussed by what had just transpired, but his voice was engraved in my brain, a record scratch on the conscience, endlessly repeating. I knew what I had to do. I emerged from the tent, the sunlight temporarily blinding me. I heard the mayor call revelation, but it sounded distant. The crowd cheered, but I might as well have been in Lakeview with my folks. I spotted Leah in the distance, still sat at the picnic table and her headed her way. Two revelations, she said, not looking up from her cigarette. Yeah, I replied. That's something. I think I'm getting a migraine. Can we go? She said, rubbing her temples. Yeah, if you're not feeling well, we can take the shortcut. The back road is much faster. Anything to get away from here. She got up and we began to walk. People gave us a wide berth. I suppose it wasn't unusual given the circumstances. Back-to-back -back revelations were never unheard of. People were probably already beginning to talk. I wondered what they were saying. We crossed the fields to the back road. I spied the bridge up ahead. It wouldn't be long now. I listened carefully, and I would do what it takes to keep my family safe. We weather our storms here in shallow rapids. We may not be stylish, but we weather our storms. As we crossed the bridge, I caught sight of the cops. I strengthened my resolve. Amazing Bill wouldn't be... He wouldn't let me down. It's a nice day today, I said, trying to act natural. It's a shame we couldn't stick around for the barbecue. I had the Ferris wheel. Thought it might be fun if we rode it together. I knew she was lying, but didn't have time to dwell on it. I spotted the oak as we walked, and sure enough, the branch that Amazing Bill spoke of laid conspicuously at its side. He had kept his word, and now I must keep mine. I stopped, pretending to tie my shoe as Leah walked ahead. My diversion might have been childish, but it seemed to work. I made my way to the branch, making sure that Leah didn't turn around, but she just walked slowly along an old woodpile that laid haphazardly beside the road. I grabbed the branch and approached her swiftly and silently. It would be easy, Amazing Bill had assured me. It was for the best. I was near striking distance when the sound of a car caught our attention. Her back still to me, we both watched as Mr. Gorman's truck crusted the hill. One strike, I thought. One strike. She's undesirable. She's dangerous. Just curious. Leah said, her back still turned to me. But what was your revelation? I looked up to her to find her fixated on the truck. It came to a stop, and Mr. Gorman exited the cabin and began walking towards us just as Bill has promised. Uh, nothing really, I said, winding up the branch like a baseball bat. Just to mind my parents. 
strange. He never, he, because he told me never swim after eating. I struck, but was a little late. The branch connected with her temple as she pivoted toward me. I saw a glint of light, but it wasn't until I felt the heavy blow to my side that I realized we were playing the same game. It was an axe. Dull, but that didn't stop her from wedging it just beneath my armpit. She must have fished it from the woodpile. We both fell to the ground, neither in any condition to get up. Mr. Gorman was nearer now. He knew me, my family, he would help. I'm sorry, I struggled to say. I tried to get up to finish it, but it was no use. I sensed that she was attempting to do the same. Don't worry about me. Her speech was slurred. I thought that an odd thing for her to say as Mr. Gorman approached. Surely he would help finish the job just as Bill had said he would. Mr. Gorman to the rescue, dragging two burlap sacks. <laughs> You pulled a fast one on us, Mark. Pranked. We we got yes. got we got got. I love it. I love it. We I got, actually loved this. We got got by the uh, potential of Mr. Stringy coming to jangle our bones. I um, would never do that to you. <laughs> I I love that you did because all my expectations went out the window, and I th that was wonderful. That was a it wonderful was little story. Oh, thank you. Yeah, I can't believe that's a first What's, draft, dude. What's your what's your title for this one? Uh, Amazing Bill Day. Okay. See, I saw that. I saw the top of it, and I was like, Amazing Bill Day. I was, like, trying to, like, connect it to Mr. Stringy. I was like, did they name the baby Bill? I don't remember the baby's name being Bill. It's still, it still works as the first line of the story, though. Like, it's, <laughs> it's like, it's like the first thought that the character has when they wake up that morning, you know? Like, mm -hmm. you don't need to say something as trite as, I rolled out of bed and I looked at the calendar. Amazing Bill Day. Like the for the first sentence of the story, like I read it, I read it how I read it, and I was like, that's interesting. Amazing right? Bill and, Day. Mm -hmm. <laughs> and I mean, I like I, I talk about this all the time. I love a good cult. Oh, and yeah. this is giving me like the finest, the finest, beautifully aged cult energy. I loved it so much without I quite would... <laughs> without quite digging into it. You know, right. it, it was like... very um, something wicked this way comes, you mm -hmm. know, uh, it, it was it, it hit all the right tropes without being uh, predictable. Um, right. Oh, good. I also. I also it's one of those ones where you kind of you put the ending together like right when you're becoming aware that they're both in on it. So mm -hmm. like literally within that page where it ends, you're like, yeah, 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 yeah. So I I really appreciated that. I, I love holding all those cards until the last moment. That's a very um. that is something that you've done in, in other stories that you've written. But I think um usually your restraint to let those cards go is a little bit is a little bit higher i when when bill started to get a little bit more you should do Bossy. something about that girl <laughs> i immediately told myself i was like 
okay, so what did he tell the girl about the guy? Yeah. You know, what, what, what does she know now? Um, which is, which is beautiful because it's, it's just paced so well. Oh, yeah. thank you. I thought it was the perfect length too. It was like exactly, we had exactly as much detail as we needed. It was the exact right length and the exact right pacing. I apologize for not sharing with you, Cannibal. Uh, the only reason I didn't is because once I realized it was a boy telling the story, I just stuck, I just stuck into it. <laughs> yeah. I, I, I just, I liked reading it so much. <laughs> and yeah, I definitely... Like I definitely like reading for the the type of stereotype as as amazing Bill as well the kind of oh God, yeah. the southern comfort guy who knows too much <laughs> like I I like I like that the um they're they're in like a different world I would love to see like a Matthew McConaughey play like amazing Bill right, <laughs> right. I was like I was even picturing I it's he's like way out of favor now for obvious reasons, but I was picturing like a Mel Gibson kind of like piercing gaze. Where oh, like that's you, even crazier. You can like yeah, feel the crazy the, eyes. Yeah. You can like feel the evil radiating off of him <laughs> when you look at him. Oh, I but see. I didn't so think friendly. amazing Bill was evil. I didn't, I didn't think that. Oh, I, see, I got bad vibes. I got, you got bad, bad vibes. You got bad vibes. Like, like a harbinger yeah. approaching on the horizon, you got a bad vibe. Yeah, like at first I was thinking like Ghost Rider, but then like the more he talked, even before they like went in and everything, like the more he talked about it, I was like, yo, this guy's full of shit. Like, <laughs> just like instantly, I was like, I don't know why he's playing these people. I don't know what's making him play these people. Like, it feels like, I don't know. It's, you know what? I actually want to scale back on that. I don't necessarily think that he's playing them, but he's clearly attached to this town and he's doing these things to them for a reason. And he's having some kind of supernatural experience or he's a very good actor. But it's like, I, I was like, mm, I, I like mean, it. with the examples that they gave beforehand, it's, it's not hard to think that someone who's outside of this town can investigate a couple of the things that they were talking mm -hmm. about, but they also were on the cusp of, of just knowing too much. Yeah. Yeah. Having too much of the right info. Um, mm -hmm. This one was interesting because um, all of the ones they told definitely shaped the, the town and the guys kind of uh, perspective of the town. Mm -hmm. Like for, for some reason he just, and that's, and that is where I kind of, um, I kind of want to ask, is it supernatural? Because, the ending just seems to be Bill laying out this hit list, right? Like to control this town a little bit better, maybe. Right. Um, but at the same time, there could be something very divine Abraham, kill your son kind of aspect to it. If we're, I... we're going to get religious about it. Mm -hmm. I deadass was like waiting for Mr. Stringy to show up until the end because I guess I'm just I'm like too trusting apparently and so I was like he's sacrificing them for Mr. Stringy by, by page oh, five when I realized we were like halfway through a story there I, I told myself there's no way Mr. Stringy is showing up at this point nah man I was holding out until the end I was like nah he's gonna pop out of the coast you wanted let me rewrite let me rewrite the last page of this story real quick. Uh, 
amazing bills in his in his trailer and he he the kid leaves with his his prediction and amazing bill comes to and he swivels around on his chair and he goes I did I did what you asked will you please <laughs> let me go and it's just Mr. Stringy sitting at like the hand of the motorcycle just staring at him <laughs> and basically that's the creepy pasta ending that I just wrote. Feel free to take that if you want, Mark. I'll let you have it. Okay, I'm, I'm I'm typing as we speak. <laughs> <laughs> I just yeah, that's what I get. I just believe. I just believed it. I was like, oh hell There's yeah. There's something so beautiful in that <laughs> cannibal siren. There's something so beautiful in thinking that literally, even up to the 90th percentile of this story, you would have took it. You would have taken a. And in the back of, of Mr. Gorman's truck, I saw Mr. Stringy staring at us on the ground. <laughs> yep. <laughs> I would have taken it, too. Oh, I would have hated that. <laughs> <laughs> I would have hated that, but um, but I would have respected it. <laughs> <laughs> it's just like an equal. It's like the same prank, but like slightly different. It's the same, it's the same prank. It's definitely worse, but... Oh man, um, Mark, do you want to talk that. about that story at all? Is there anything you wanted to tell about that story, where that came from, when you wrote that? I had the idea for a little while. I just started writing it this week, um, for for you guys. But kind of my inspiration on it was just so much in the news over the past year of like the Trump rallies and the God, yeah, MAGA, and you know they kind of the 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 saying that. Uh, when fascism comes to town, it'll be uh, wrapped in a flag and carrying a Bible. That's mm -hmm. fun. Like, right. I kind of figured that about, like, the Antichrist. And so that was kind of my interpretation. Of oh, yeah. I I oh, yeah. love I love that you said that because I literally, I have literally, like, I've said the same thing. And I, I do I do some writing projects on my own as well. And I have been working on something similar because I always said that like if there is an antichrist and if there is a devil and if he wants to win what better way to win than to package yourself as god there's no better way to do it uh I would have said like a straight white male republican in his like <laughs> 50s with a hat yeah that's the that's the amazing bill energy right there right? <laughs> no that's what I'm tapping into for sure for sure I um I, Republican ghostwriter. <laughs> I that's such an awful summarization of character, but it's also on point. Yeah, no, that works. Mark, if you want to change the title to that, that's cool too. <laughs> you know, you have our permission to take any to take any oh, of this you. critical, you know. <laughs> I'm just throwing stuff at the wall at this point, you know. Like we're Republican all in this together. Commits murder by proxy, but that kind of spoils it. <laughs> that spoils so it. Definitely not. just yeah, that does spoil it. See, this is why he's writing and I'm reading. <laughs> That's exactly why. Sorry, I also one of my cats just hopped up and he's being really obnoxious. It's it's it, what's it's what comes with recording with you, Cannibal Siren. We we accept this. Um, <laughs> I. I, now, now that we kind of got that first half done, I would love to kind of lead into a short history lesson on your uh, your fictional uh, your fictional history. 
Um, okay. We're going to go into um, just a, a summary of all the stories we've read on the show that you've written. Oh, geez. <laughs> <laughs> I hope you enjoy this as much as I'm going to. Um, you know, when you uh, just kind of post stuff to the Internet, you're not really supposed to be held accountable for it. You know? No, <laughs> no. And you and you signed up to come and talk to us. So thank you again. Yeah, really. Uh, for oh, for no. giving me this opportunity. I'm going to I'm going to make fun of your stories a little bit in a second. Um, I we do want to start off by saying we generally love reading your stories. Like I'm I'm speaking for both myself and Cannibal Siren because I don't think there's anything we've read on this show, Cannibal Siren, catch me if I'm wrong, that was like mm-hmm. bad. Like nothing yeah. on this show has been like bad that, that you no, and I have read. Like, I have other episodes like, I can know, fucking the... talk about, but like with you, our stories are, are generally pretty good. Besides like the inevitable like troll pastas that we read in the very, very beginning, like some but those are, you know, meant that's some of them were but funny. But even and then it's like we kinda terrible. we kinda like understood it. You right. know? Like they're they're definitely the ones that kind of hit you like blind. Like you mm-hmm. don't know what you're about to read and it and it comes back to haunt you. But like for the most part, I would say even just basic fictions or creature features or like what have you, most most of your episodes have been solid. So to say that is to say also because I would say a good 50% of your episodes are reading stories to read alone at night. We fell in love with, uh, we fell in love with stories to read alone at night, like in the very beginning. Like we just, we I'm listening to the first hundred episodes right now. And I can tell you from the start, I think episode like 24 or like 32 or something like in the very early when we read maybe like by the second or third story we realized came from this website, we yeah. were like, we were like, these are good. Yeah, exactly. And once we were like, yo, we actually, we fucking love reading these. They make a, they're entertaining for us. B they make entertaining content and C it's there's so much more of them. Like, right. <laughs> was, and for me, that perfect. even goes into D how it's been presented and right. how it's been pulled off. Like we'll get into that. Um, but also like, this is also like seven years ago us like this is this is like yeah. five years ago us Fuck. thinking oh, wow. this thinking this because that's when the, the show started. I want to say I mm-hmm. started recording the show in, in like November of 2016. Mm-hmm. And we've read your stories year after year. And yeah. every year we've come back and read them. It's always been generally good. Mm-hmm. We've always we've always appreciated reading your stuff. So the first thing I'm going to say is thank you again for writing these stories. Um, I'm now going to happily summarize each of them in a sentence by making fun of them. Okay. Um, not really. Lovingly. Kind of. Lo- it's very <laughs> lovingly. It's endearingly. It's what I thought when I read the stories. So I'm going to, I'm going to start. We're looking at the same list. Yeah. Uh, Cannibal Siren. Um, yeah. Okay. So, before we do that, I just want to reserve like ten to fifteen minutes of rebuttal time. After that, so oh, you are a hundred percent. You are allowed hours of rebuttal time if you have it. So, I I'm joking. Here, here's here's what I'm gonna say. I'm, here's the example of of the next couple minutes. The first the first one I noted was notes on a story, mm-hmm. and I summarized notes on a story by saying, 
teacher reviews kid's story about a preacher who is really a devil. And then I say, AKA meta. And you know what? That's so fucking funny that that was the first one we read. And now we're interviewing you with like another one where it's another guy. And it was also, it's also, also something of a devil, also something Mm -hmm. of a preacher, also something of a, it's, it's like a televangelist. The televangelist. Very much. But yeah, well, the also the other reason this was meta was because um, Cannibal Siren was playing D and D, and and a character of hers at the time kind of had yes. the same backstory, so that was funny yeah. as well. Oh, nice. I, yeah, I just brought her back too for a villain campaign, literally like last Wednesday, this past Wednesday, which is so fucking funny. I was like, "What's the worst person I can think of?" And then I was like, "This is going to be controversial, so you might want to cut this out." I was like, "A Christian." <laughs> <laughs> So I just made it. I made a televangelist for a villain campaign and wrote and rolled with it. And it was like when we read I, the story. I fucking love it. Yeah, at yeah. Same time, I was like, oh hell yes. <laughs> that's that's the that's the place you need to go. Um, I'm gonna I'm gonna let uh, Cannibal Siren read this next one. Uh, when we mm-hmm. read Joshua, here were my first thoughts. Mortician brings dead little boy back to life for sad parents who quickly regret zombie kid, aka all caps. Cemetery with him. <laughs> so I I do like the kind of um, for Joshua. I, I definitely liked how like wicked <laughs> that story was, uh, but I definitely thought of Pet Cemetery the entire time that I was reading it. <laughs> Who doesn't love like an evil dead kid though? Everyone loves. Oh no! Kids. Everyone loves evil dead kids, or even right? just evil kids in general. Yeah, true. Oh yeah. Um, they're creepy. So creepy. <laughs> the so next creepy. one, uh, the next one I wrote was Eleanor. <laughs> and, oh, I love that. And one. I said, "Dark room, trapped, alone with a girl, aka, oh no, the girl is a monster and it's going to eat me. Oh my god." How many O's are there? One, two, three, like three. seventeen. <laughs> so many. Hell yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Eleanor. Eleanor was like classic creepypasta for us. We were just, mm-hmm. I remember being like, that was mm-hmm. fun. <laughs> That's yeah, just I... a, the payoff in that one, I think. Was... <laughs> Perfection. Again, everyone loves creepy kids. Oh, yeah. Who doesn't love creepy kids? Uh, Cannibal Siren. Probably parents. Read, read Good Walt. Oh, yeah, I forgot about, oh, my God, I forgot about Good Walt. Psycho tells story to abductee about psychotic break during childhood where he always imagined his better half was an ass-kissing mama's boy up until the point of his mother's death where he went off the rails, a.k.a. multiple personality or disassociative identity disorder, an exercise in mental illness. (laughs) (laughs) Which is our joke back to the beginning of this episode. Honestly, Um, so, yeah, I mean, if anything, this is just sticking to your audience. Oh, yeah. Okay, good to hear. (laughs) We asked Mark if he if he understood that his audience is <laughs> mentally ill, and um, yep. <laughs> well, that's everybody who listens to your podcast, right? I I would say yeah. I would probably. <laughs> I mean, you know, it's it it is what it is. <laughs> you know, like, same honestly, like hashtag same. Yeah, right. Um, I love oh, this one. Favorite. Do you remember yes. this one? Oh, fuck yeah, I remember this Channel one. 71. We loved Channel mm. 71. Love. Um, I, I call this one evil evil TV set in my chimney made me eat way too much chicken and kill my wife, a.k.a. new house on the market. 
I mean, who hasn't had that experience? <laughs> I think everybody's done I that. I know I'm summarizing this story to the most devilish intent possible, but when you break it down, that really is the story. <laughs> I ate so much chicken and haunted myself so bad that it made me murder my hot girlfriend. It happens. It does. What uh, other purpose is there? To move in with your hot girlfriend than to either A, star in a rom-com, or B, star in a horror movie. There well, is no in-between. <laughs> there is no in-between. I love there that. There is no in-between. Your relationship um, is a horror movie or a romantic comedy. You can pick. <laughs> the next one we read um, was one that we actually read on the show twice. I read it with two different people. Oh, um, wow. I had read it earlier on, not realizing it was one of yours, actually. Oh. Um, with a guy named Sir Booberry, and then I went back, I would say, 30 episodes later, and once I remembered it was you, I reread mm -hmm. it with Cannibal Siren to say that we have read everything you've uh, written on her episodes. So we did reread Maggie. Um, can oh, okay. Cannibal, uh, talk about Maggie. Uh, little girl's imaginary friend eventually becomes more than imaginary, and the mom doesn't notice until it's too late, a.k.a. Parenting 101. <laughs> How many horror-like movies can be summed up with parent doesn't do a good job and, yeah, like, parent, kid becomes murderous? <laughs> bad parent equals haunted kid, ghost kid, dead kid, bad kid, murder kid. Uh, not ever a kid. Sometimes no there no is kid. Yeah. Yeah, sometimes the kid doesn't exist. Um, that's, sometimes that's your kid brings an unwanted imaginary friend sibling in. And then you die. Mm. A shout out to Scutch McGee in all of his episodes because I make he's one of our only readers with children, and I make him read stories about haunted kids <laughs> that like murder their parents in their <laughs> sleep and shit. <laughs> he always fear is real. He always looks at me like when we're recording, and I usually cut it. He always looks at me and goes, "What the fuck, man?" He's like, "What? What the fuck? Why you make me read this shit? Now I'm not gonna be able to sleep. I'm gonna think my, my I'm gonna think my four year old is standing over me with a knife." <laughs> Maybe she is. Who knows? Well, she has before, which is why he doesn't want to talk about it. No, waking um, up in the middle of the night and finding your kid standing over you is terrifying. I, I see. This is why I don't have any children. This is why I, I never will have any children. <laughs> <laughs> because I just like I, I will. I'm like I, I'm an adult woman, and I live in an apartment as an adult in an adult apartment, and I still close my goddamn closet door every night because it can't be open. Oh no! And sometimes my cats, my cats have figured out how to open this closet door now because it's a sliding thing. So sometimes I wake up in the middle of the night and the closet door is like cracked and it wasn't when I went to sleep. And I know logically it was those fucking cats. However, uh -huh. <laughs> they're the wild card in your formula. So you have to, you have to say it was them or else you will go insane thinking it's I, an otherworldly presence. I will literally shit myself. So if I throw a kid in that mix, <sighs> that kid's going to get punched. That's, that's what I honestly, that's what I think. I'm going to get arrested. <laughs> I'm going to get arrested. I'm going to lose my kid. I'm going to lose my, I'm going to lose everything because my kid is going to come within two inches of my face while I'm sleeping. And my gut reaction is going to be to punch whatever that is through the wall next to my bed. And, uh, and I'm going to go to jail for murder. More power, power to you, Mark, as a parent and power to all the parents out there who have not punted their children because they thought they were ghosts. Yeah, big shout out. Honestly, Scotch, big shout out, bud. I hope yeah. you're listening. <laughs> um, 
I believe it's my turn on the mm-hmm. next one. Uh, Floyd. I, re- uh, yeah. I re-listened to Floyd the other day. Mm. Floyd, Floyd's pretty good. More kids. Um, More I love kids. this one. I love what I wrote about this one. Third grade teacher tries to help sad little kid who draws creepy picture of foreshadowing ominous boogeyman until eventual psychotic break and run away, a.k.a. Boy Meets World. Remember that show? 100%. <laughs> I remember Shia LaBeouf differently. Yeah. <laughs> but then again... Maybe that, not. <laughs> that was that was even that was even Stevens. No, my God. <laughs> um, you need to read about Mr. Stringy. I'm gonna let you read uh, this one. The love oh. of my life. I at this point, I honestly think that Mr. Stringy and I are like we're just like cope. We're we're partners now. One of these days, I'm gonna like... actually like make him and like send him to you in the mail and just not tell you. <laughs> I really am. You're oh one one of these years you're going to get like I'm you're going to ask I'm going to ask for your address and then I'm going to uh-huh. bail on whatever hangout sesh not to like hurt you but just to manipulate you. Oh, and good. and I'm going to instead mail you a small Mr. Stringy and not and not tell you. And you know what sucks is that you're relying on my poor memory for this joke to like pull, be pulled You're going to forget and... after we oh, stop yeah. recording. Oh yeah, no, it's going to work. It's absolutely going to work. <laughs> you will text me six months from now going, dude, you will not believe what I just got in the mail. And you know what? I'm just going to let him in my house. He can just hang out here. I don't have any kids. What's the worst thing that can happen? Well, when the closet <laughs> opens at night, you'll know who it is. Ah, <laughs> it all comes back around. Wait a second. The I'm fear is I- eternal. <laughs> I'm feeling like I'm now the person being terrorized on this podcast. And I, I don't think that's fair. I, I think that I should get uh, less terror. But something tells me that's not going to happen. Read about, Mr. Stringy <laughs> Read about Mr. Stringy. Mr. Stringy, a shitty little smiling ragdoll killed by aunt and her dog and not even fire can stop him. AKA Goosebumps ain't got shit on this, which is true. Mr. Stringy absolutely reads as the, if one it of the was, most terrifying Goosebumps. If, like, it was a, if it was a cage match between literally all of Puppet Master's shitty little puppets, <laughs> Chucky, and, oh, Chucky and Slappy from Goosebumps... And then Mr. Stringy's in the fourth corner. I'm going to level with you. I think Mr. Stringy, people would blink and Mr. Stringy will have set them all on fire already. True. I feel like Mr. Stringy is like kind of OP in comparison. I feel like Chucky might give him a run for his money, though. I think so. I feel like I feel like Chucky's the first to go down because he's all talk and no, no action. Chucky does talk mad shit. It's Ch- true. Chucky, if we knew he was coming, Chucky's Chucky's entire terror is taken away. Because you mm-hmm. see him running at you with like a little knife and you're just like, eh. It's when he's behind you and you didn't know he was there that he really gets you. That's what <laughs> Puppet Master, Puppet Master's, Puppet Master all 19 of those movies is about how little action figures have the ability to sneak up on you. So like I'm saying the same thing, but if I'm putting like the three best puppet masters in a cage match up against Chucky, I'm going to bet on the puppet master puppets to win. Cuz like some of them like spit mm. acid and shit. So I'm going to I'm going to leave that up to them. Whereas between Mr. Stringy and and Slappy, I think Slappy would be creeped out by Mr. Stringy. I think Slappy would fold like a lawn chair. Oh, 100%. 
A hundred percent. So then the fight is then the fight is then between the puppet master puppets and Mr. Stringy. And part of me still thinks that like they would go to stab Mr. Stringy and like all that would come out would be like teeth and, and he would just stare at them and they would be like, Oh fuck. And they would like, just run. (laughs) Nice. Um, the next story, this one's my favorite. Oh, this one was so good. This one was my favorite that we've ever read. Uh, Anora. Oh, yep. Email correspondence slowly tracks the mental downfall of ice skating star who finds a Wikipedia page that knows way too much. AKA how Wikipedia haunted my nightmares for years. For years. For years. <laughs> we that read story th- is, yeah, that one is still going strong. Like, YouTube and TikTok and stuff. That one just never seems to stop. I read that one in like 2017 and it stuck with me. Yeah, that was one of that was an early that was early. That was one of the first ones we read from from your channel. And and it was how we read it that creeped us out the most. Yeah, because we 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 found we read it and then we literally went to the Wikipedia page and read the entire thing. And then both of us were just like, what the fuck? We were both like, I hate this. (laughs) <laughs> I mean, I thought I loved it. Like right off the bat, I was like, I love this, but I hate this. And then like on your next episode, I was like, by the way, that story we read gave me nightmares. <laughs> yeah. I I was just like, no, this is too, mo- this is like, and I honestly think that hilariously, maybe part of the reason it's been going so strong. It's funny to know too, that it is still going so strong because mm-hmm. I mean, we did read it in like 2017. Oh yeah. I'm we sure- read it. We read it like five, six years ago. Right. I wrote that story in like 2010. Yeah. Yeah. No, a lot of your stuff, a lot of your stuff that we stumbled upon, um, at least your first, you, you didn't come out with the two, like Mm -hmm. the second set of stories until I want to say like 2017, 2018, maybe. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Somewhere around there. So we found your first set of stories, like pretty much at the start of the podcast. Right. So it was one of the first ones I pulled from. Yeah, and I was going to say, like, Wikipedia has somehow never stopped being relevant. So I feel like it's, like, right. the perfect, it's, like, the perfect format, hilariously, because it's one of the most immortal, like, internet mediums, I think, that's existed. Well, my, my yeah, friends have also Yeah, it's not like some quick time I'm sorry. video or something, you know. Right, flash yeah. video, yeah. Mm-hmm, exactly. Like, it's literally the perfect format to keep, like, a horror, like, a story going. Any type years. of narrative. Any right. type of narrative, because mm-hmm. my my friends have shown me, I don't know if, if it's just us being weird in high school, but like we made like Wikipedia's of each other. Like we would just make up shit and then like I would <laughs> I would steal a picture from my friends like MySpace and I would go to Wikipedia and I'd make up like the shittiest story about them and be like, dude, look at what Wikipedia says about you. And he would just like laugh and then go and make one about me. And and we would just keep this thing going until it's just pages of bullshit. And naturally Wikipedia deletes these things after like, mm-hmm. I don't know, like a month or two of kind of going through all the bullshit that they have. Right. Um, but yeah, there, there were at times just like entire uh, scathing reviews of one another <laughs> on Wikipedia. So it didn't surprise me that this, um, this sat with me very well because it reminded me of something I was capable of. Um, mm-hmm. But it was used for such a horrifying extent. And that's right. where I was like, 
oh fuck <laughs> like like this is possible like this is this is in that same territory as we were talking about earlier with Slenderman like going to the going to the something awful and seeing the first pictures and being like oh this is like someone oh. made this and it was oh, made fuck. to look exactly like how it needs to to be convincing mm -hmm. and i and i love that aspect of it me too um you want to tell me about a nice wiry boy oh do i i loved i loved this one this was fun <laughs> this was on the last episode we did i think yeah it was i had so much fun with this one a girl leads on simple lad just so she can get spooked by a lake aka riding in cars with boys to extra electric boogaloo is that a reference to the the hitchhiker lady um, from a, the, like an older story that we read i'm i'm just saying riding in cars with boys to electric boogaloo <laughs> as, as just a joke but um but that is but that is how i thought of that story it's just like it's just a simple story about a chick getting spooked by a lake and at first she went there to go get felt up but then she went to go get spooked up and and mm -hmm. i and and I appreciate that twist. I appreciate that kind of woman. Yeah, honestly, good for her. I yeah. feel like I'm dating that person. <laughs> <laughs> I was about to say, I you know what? I agree with her actually. She, she I was took right. I took Alley Cat to go see Barbarian. Oh, uh, like I heard two that nights good. ago. It was fantastic. And hmm. and and it's and it's I can't spoil it, but the ending and the twist, the twist like thirty minutes in is just so wonderful. It's something we've read out of like a creepypasta or no sleep, I swear to God. And um, and we walk out and she's like, she's like, that might be like one of my like top five movies of this year because I just was on the edge of my seat, just wondering what was coming next, like each time. And I look at her and I'm like, yeah, it's not like in my top 10 or anything, because I feel like I've read that on the podcast before. But yeah, it was pretty good. And she just looks at me and she was like, it spooked me. <laughs> right and i was like yeah no that's fine like that's okay that it spooked you i'm glad that it spooked you it didn't spook me as much um but i like i like a nice wiry boy it's it's about that girl trying to get that spook on mm -hmm. um i will now <laughs> read about mr stringy comes home <laughs> My summarization of this one is my wife is pregnant and Mr. Stringy is making my baby play fourth wheel, a.k.a. fireworks now, apparently. I think that's an apt, apt summary. <laughs> it's perfect. You I wanna... like <laughs> I would actually love to hear you talk about this story. Mr. Stringy comes home. Yeah. What's what's your thought on Mr. Stringy comes home, Mark? <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> I wrote uh let's see. I wanted to do Mr. Stringy as like a three-part series okay. and then I kind of realized that that wasn't a good idea, so I kind of merged the final oh, two together into that. Okay. Um, so what what made you decide to do it as two instead of three? I'm just curious. Uh, I just didn't think three would be interesting. <laughs> okay. I got you. I, got I don't know. I, don't know. I, 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 def think... I could definitely see Mr. Stringy coming back when they have a toddler in the house. Mm-hmm. <gasps> yeah. 
I could like it was I, just I a, it was I, just I, a baby, but imagine what a six year old would think of Mr. Stringy, you know? Oh God! I don't I don't know if the world's ready for that. I, just... <laughs> I was about to say, I mean, toddlers are essentially like your own personal terrorists. Mm-hmm. So I mean, those that poor couple's already going to be suffering. But I just like, I just I think... love I love the prospect of that though. I want to read that story. <laughs> well, I think that would be a short story because toddlers. I mean, they're always trying to kill themselves as it is. You're just <laughs> trying to keep them alive. So I, oh, I'm that's bad like at a paragraph that. tops. You know, yeah. Mr. Stringy said, "Hey, kid, look at these fun stairs. Aren't yeah. they fun?" The kid said, "Yeah, that's fun." The that's end. the end of the yeah. story. That's yeah, fair. My my idea was actually, um, what if my idea? Okay, so I'm I'm gonna say it this way. What if Mr. Stringy had the ability to convince a child to do his bidding in mm. in a creepy kind of Damien way? Ah, uh, yeah. It's it's creepy kids. It's creepy, yeah. It is creepy kids. But what if Mr. Stringy was able to, like, really manipulate a child? Like, usually the stories have been about adults kind of picking up on Mr. Stringy's manipulation as the story goes on. But mm-hmm. what if what if it's really the kid and Mr. Stringy is just pulling pulling some strings? Well, that could work. That could be fun. Anyway, mm-hmm. um, uh, Cannibal Siren, tell me about Zabelius the Ravisher. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I love this guy. I absolutely love this guy. Zabelius the Ravisher, reformed hell admittance clerk Zabelius, revels in his past horrors while reviewing a new lost soul's entrance to the underworld, aka your pretty face is going to hell. Which I do. I do love that show. Um, It's not necessarily (laughs) the same, but Zabelius would fit in wonderfully with your pretty face is going to hell like lore. Um, the idea of like an entry process to hell, like a, like a customs and immigrations, uh, job interview esque type of aspect. Um, no one, no one appreciates the kind of white collar horror more, more than me. So the fluorescent lighting and Mm -hmm. the kind of shitty office space (laughs) attitude, um, really, uh, prevails in in that story yeah i kind of had like no exit by start and office space that yeah. was kind of mashed those two up it's, it's perfect i mean again what's the worst thing you can think of in office that's yep. horrible it's that's gotta be pretty bad right <laughs> um that's terrible. and then in the last episode we read and the last one i'm gonna talk about is full-size candy bars we mm. we read this one in the last episode and you had said that you didn't think that this one would translate super well to a podcast. And I remember being like, nah, the story fucking rocks. <laughs> and I did not mind reading this at all with Cannibal Siren uh, playing well, I, the, the wife in the situation. I had so much fun. No, I, that's, that's one of my favorites. I like that story. It's, it's so it's good. really good. Um, I call this one. I'm, I'm proud of this one. Um Children infiltrate house to steal baby and candy from new unsuspecting neighborhood couple, a.k.a. Children of the Candy Corn. Perfect. I, I'm proud of that one. I'll, yeah, take, that I'll take that one. Yeah, that's a good one. That's a very good one. Um, which which leaves us with uh, three stories we haven't read. 
um, which we'll have to do on one or two more episodes sometime soon. Um, we haven't read the duplex. We haven't read Marcy travels and we haven't read Nana. If I'm saying that correctly. Mm-hmm. All three very different stories. Awesome. Du- duplex feels literal. Is it literally mm-hmm. about a duplex? It's very much about a duplex. What's Marcy's okay. trap? What's Marcy travels about? Someone uh, travel? Is it literal? Uh, it's about metaphorical travel, maybe. Okay. It's <laughs> spiritual. Travel. And Nana's just a name. It is just a name. It's just a name. Okay. So I'm, I'm going to let that one go as well, because I, I find that the ones where it's just a name, like a Nora or Floyd, Maggie, mm-hmm. like Eleanor, you, you never know what you're going to get with those ones. So I'm going to let that one rest. But we haven't even read all of your stories and, and you're here uh, doing the interview with us. So um, you're going to have to continue listening to us if you want to see what we think about the rest <laughs> of your stories. Um, well, you guys provide like, the best notes for any writer. And <laughs> I, I'm serious because, you know, I'll see my stuff on YouTube and a lot of people like to narrate creepy pastas and stuff. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, but they just deadpan narrate it. And as somebody, if you're trying to like improve your writing, that doesn't help you at all. Right. Uh, especially if you're blind to your own writing mistakes because they're just flat. Mm-hmm. But when somebody calls bullshit halfway through your story, like that is the most helpful thing. <laughs> yeah, somebody, I, that's like the best advice somebody can give you because I otherwise hate, you just don't notice it. I hate looking like an armchair critic. I really try not to be one. Um, I I just I have an opinion and I'm okay sharing it with people who want to listen. Um, I'm mm-hmm. not going to pretend like I'm right. You know, if you were to tell me facts or put anything in front of me and say, like, you're wrong, I feel this way, I'll totally respect it. I might even change my mind. I'm not I'm not stubborn in the way I think is what I'm saying. So Mm -hmm. when I say that your stories are objectively very good, I'm I'm at at no point going to also stop from halfway through one of your stories going like, wait a fucking second. Mm hmm. I'm putting I'm putting the fucking line in the sand right now. Why is this happening? (laughs) You know, like I I have no problem doing that. And I think it's one of those things where when we were coming up with the concept of the show with like the three or four people I was talking about it to, we knew off the bat we didn't want this to just be what you described, like a creepypasta YouTube. Like those Mm -hmm. those already exist. And I like review podcasts and YouTubes where people Mm -hmm. will talk about movies. They'll talk about comics and stories. And I thought to myself, like, well, if last podcast can kind of what they do is they kind of read creepypastas and just laugh about them. They tend to get troll pastas. They tend to get um, short stories. They, they, they are not in it for the length or for the art or for the creativity. I'm here for all of those things. So when I listened to those episodes of last podcast on the left where they cover creepypastas, I said, this is only hitting on about 50% of what makes what makes these things great. And I appreciate storytelling. So what I wanted to do was merge the two concepts. I want to take a creepypasta reading YouTube, but I want to introduce the idea of character studies and breakdowns and criticisms and descriptions as only as far as my guest wants to take it because some of my guests 
really excelled at writing and really are very creative writers and people. And I want to hear their opinions and I want to see what they think about these things from a critical standpoint. And I would say the other 50% are just in it for the, um, the fun. So I'm able to introduce both of those aspects to the show, Mm -hmm. but I would say with, with me and cannibal, we both have writing experience. We both have art experience. We both have very similar opinions to when it comes to horror and so that puts us in a very like-minded and, and circumstantial position of one reading through these stories. We are looking at them through our own lenses. Like when we read a, a two-part series about a, a couple going to a cabin alone together, Siren and I immediately put ourselves there as those people. Mm-hmm. And with your stories it's very easy to do that. It's very easy to put yourself in those positions. So when the logic doesn't line up necessarily, or when it gets maybe a little too trope heavy, that's Mm -hmm. when I pull myself out a little bit. And that's when I say, let's talk about this. Mm -hmm. And, and Mm -hmm. I'm, and I'm glad that you are someone who can appreciate that because I know that, probably a good 30% of our fan base are really just in it to listen to us tell the stories, not so much for the critical aspect, not so much for the joke aspect, but just for the, I think our ability to read stories is good. So I would, I would assume that like a good quarter of our fan base is probably just in it for the stories. And I have a lot of uh, data and statistics to kind of back that opinion up. Well, I think it's it's a good balance because I think if you, you talk about them and you're able to criticize them and you guys always do it respectfully, but it's it's fun because I don't know like, about always. <laughs> <laughs> okay, well, you know. speak for yourself. There are definitely yeah. some stories we take a shit on and that and that's and that's fine. <laughs> that's OK, too. That's OK. But, you know, it's fun because it makes you feel especially on a podcast. It makes you feel like you're there. You know, one of the reasons I started doing horror is when we were living in Portland at the time, every summer we were camping just about every weekend with friends. And what we would do is just go to the thrift store, the used bookstore and stack up on, on ghost stories. And they were always, you know, books that were like from the seventies of just short stories, seventies or eighties. They weren't that great, but at the end of every night when everybody's a little inebriated and you're sitting around the campfire, we take turns just reading them out loud. Mm -hmm. And that's what your show like that's what your podcast really reminds me of it's that ability is is the sitting around the campfire yeah yeah. and it's not it's not high art but it's discussing it and you know to feel like you're there so if i was trying to do high art works if i was trying to do high art we'd never be we this this podcast wouldn't exist yeah no it's yeah it's nothing to be stuck up about you can just enjoy the stuff you know discussion about the story you can enjoy the story you don't have to think too much about it yeah, That's exactly. No, exactly. I'm like, I'm a huge, huge, huge fan. Cause like, I, it's funny that you brought up. It's not high art because I, I love that. And it's one of my favorite things about this show actually, mm-hmm. because like, like, like uh, our captain, my captain just said, I'm not like, I, I definitely don't want to, you know, be an armchair critic. I like to talk about things because I also like to make these things. Mm-hmm. And yeah. part of part of what makes the podcast and also what makes reading your stories so fun is that it feels like something that I not necessarily that I could have made because I definitely don't think I could have. Um, but it's like something that even if I wasn't doing this, like I would actively seek out material like this 
You know what I mean? It's something that I just like, and it's also something that I recognize. And that's part of what makes them so fun. And part of what makes, like, even when it does get a little bit tropey, it's like, oh, yeah, no, I know that. I know her. Mm-hmm. It's oh, not life, like... life has its stereotypes. We're, we're never... Right. When, it, when a trope happens, it's never it's never really, like, something that's going to immediately displace you. It's just, it depends on whether or not it's, like, something that's actually encounterable through someone's life or if it's something that, like, movies do that, right, ne- that, right. never, that never happens ever, <laughs> you know? Um, like the let's go hide in the basement, let's split up type of, type of attitude. Let's split up, dude. Um, yeah. You know, I, I actually saw a really compelling argument on the internet um, about that kind of stuff that I had literally never once considered in my life. It was some kind of popular post. I, it might have even been a fucking TikTok comment. I can't remember. But somebody pointed out that, like, people in horror movies or horror books or horror whatever don't know that that's the genre they're in Mm -hmm. and I was like huh because I never I never like thought about it but it's true some of my favorite horror movies are where people kind of think outside of that genre though where it's like where they're just a little I found so I thought the Halloween remake uh the the first Gordon Green one uh 20 I want to say 2018 was better than Kills and the reason kills is not as good is because none of those characters are acting like they're in a um, a horror movie anymore. The thing that's great about the first one is like when you finally get to Jamie Lee Curtis's house, she has like a trap basement that explodes and all she needs to do <laughs> is get Michael in there. And I'm like, you are acting like you're in a horror movie. Good for right. you. And mm-hmm. then the next one is just bullshit. The next one is just fucking awful. The entire town is on crack. And um, and that's the movie. That's Halloween Kills for you. I just summed it up in a sentence. Um, and that's the and problem is it takes it takes you out of it because it's so it is night and day. It's so opposite of what would happen in reality, in my opinion. Right. And like in in Lori, in Lori's defense, you know, she's dope. She's been dealing with this shit. And after this guy shows up X amount of times. Yeah, I'm going to fucking rig my basement to explode. Like, honestly, I think that's, after the second it's time. The, it's yeah, the, it's I think she's figured part. out she's in a sequel. It, you know, like that's, that's <laughs> right. not a mystery to her. Right. That's, but I mean, but that's, like, it's that I, type of stuff that horror can introduce that makes you <laughs> that makes you think like, oh, no, these these types of characters can and do exist. And it does kind of enhance the story a little bit without a doubt. Yeah. But mm-hmm. I mean, you know, I, if I'm, I'm like, hey, partner, we're going to go camping in the woods. Like, I'm not thinking we're in a where I'm going to meet Jason Voorhees. You know, I'm like, oh, we're going to have a romantic and lovely time. So when I hear oh, you're gonna get walking, yeah, you're right? gonna get oh, yeah. Yeah. we're going to get murdered. <laughs> we're going to get murdered. Exactly. So moral of the story, stay paranoid. Um, don't take your meds. Be mentally ill. You'll never Can know we'll, when I'll get the job. Kind of are you seriously saying that you you go camping in the middle of the woods without bringing like any type of security with you? Oh, hell fucking no. <laughs> I bring a machete a with me every time. Yeah, I mean, this is. I bring a machete with me every single fucking time. I am so afraid of bears. If a bear were to come at me, I would throw down. Oh, yeah. Bears are a no. But you know what's really funny? There was like a phase, like horror goes through like phases, like of uh, of, like tropes, you know, like we're we're in kind of like a vampire phase right now, I think. 
Like when I'm mm-hmm. thinking of a lot of horror, like people are yeah. really into vampires right now. The but invitation of, just came out in theaters. Interview with the yeah, vampires yeah, yeah. on TV again. Uh, yeah. What we do in oh. the shadows is what really we do popular. In the shadows is great. Yeah, yeah, it's fantastic. But before mm-hmm. this, like back in uh, back in like 20, like it was like two years, like 23, no, like 2015 ish to like 2017. It was hillbilly hell, right? Sure, that was like yeah. really really popular back then and i i'm from that i'm from a the wrong turn life. hills have right. eyes yeah. era oh, exactly. yeah. hills have eyes i mean both like the second outlast game uh outlast, was right. fucking resident evil 7 like it was all they all kind of came out around the same time or yeah resident yeah I think it was, no you're right it's seven yeah sorry i lose track sometimes of those games <laughs> as much as i love them um but i remember like looking at that and i was like oh that's okay i was like no that's bill bill's my neighbor i'm not worried about him He's like eating people in his backyard. I don't give a fuck. Like it's just. It's we just have like, talked. We have talked right. about your incorrigible ability to ignore all of the bad things happening yeah. around you for the sake <laughs> for the sake of your sanity staying intact. For of, yeah, for the sake of personal peace, but also like certain tropes and things like that. Like you know, if some weird dude showed up in my backyard wearing overalls, I would just kind of be like, "Get off my lawn, Paul!" <laughs> you know, like I, I just. I I wouldn't, I in wouldn't reality, you that. would react that way, yeah. Yeah, exactly. Like, I just wouldn't be thinking about that because, yeah, that's the neighbor's kid. That's Paul. He gets lost sometimes. He's just looking for sticks. Like, I'm not worried about him. You know what I mean? And, like, maybe I should be. <laughs> but I, I definitely, I think that's part of the fun with the stories, though, is that, like, when it's good and when you know, like, when they're reacting realistically, it's just, it, it hits right. It hits mm-hmm. the spot. It does. Um, we're going to get into a brief interview now. I, I wrote some questions down. I'm going to share them with um, with Cannibal Syro until we get to one one specific point near the bottom. Um, just basic questions for you, Mark. Um, okay. Answer them however long, however short you, you feel like it. Um, they're mostly just interview questions that I've always wanted to ask someone. And knowing knowing like why you're here, like I, I want to get into that as well. So it's like... The first question I wrote down was how, like, how did you come up with one page wonder? And when did that become stories to read alone at night? Like so what's, what's the one, difference in those? Between the two, one page wonder um, started out as just a blog okay. way back when, when people had those. And yeah. it's um, primarily focused just on kind of uh, nostalgia and like, a lot of Halloween, old Halloween content, old movies, things like that. Sure. So that's how it started. Then when I wanted to start writing. You needed a fiction, um, a fictional place to start putting things. Yeah, I needed a place to put them. Um, and since that already had web traffic, it just made the most sense to me as opposed to getting my own domain for it, which I eventually did. So now there's one page wonder and stories to read alone at night. Mm-hmm. But uh, yeah, that's. That's how One Page Wonder started, just as a simple blog back when people had blogs. Oh, I remember. I I mean, I, I had several myself. Um, mm-hmm. uh, Ken, will you want to ask him the second one? For it. So uh, this one is, what was your first story? When did you write it? And why did you write it? Uh, the first one I wrote was actually Anora. Oh, okay. Really? Yeah. Okay. And that's just... fucking interesting. <laughs> <laughs> I had the I woke up one day when you know was kind of writing other stuff in the background but when I decided to just do horror and focus on that because um 
horror stories or any genre story really has a beginning, a middle, and an end. And so that's, I think those constraints are helpful when you're just trying to write and, and practice your writing, you know, instead of, you know, wide open stuff. So that's why I decided to do genre and I did horror because I just, I like horror. I woke up one morning, I had like the whole story of Anora in my head and I just sat down and, and wrote it, had my wife pose for the picture of Anora for the Wikipedia page. That's and put fucking it up. great. <laughs> and then back then before like, um, Reddit and Facebook owned everything. Remember there used to be sites like Stumble Upon and the social bookmarking yep. sites? Yes. Yep. Stumble Upon grabbed the Anora story and it just started pumping like just huge amounts of traffic at me. That's amazing. So I'm like, hey, you know, I did it the first time. How hard, how hard can it be to like just keep repeating? Anora is such just... a quick story too. Anora mm-hmm. is such Anora is such an easy read, and I think it's the fact that it's it's so succinct. It's so uh, it's so um just easy to find it's it's so seamless you know like uh i think i think it just the entry the entry of it being your first just surprises me just because it feels like it's it's something that would have come after i don't know like in my head like like eleanor or maggie like in your mm-hmm. in my head, I feel like you wrote one of those beforehand. But to to hear that you hit the ground running with a Nora, fucking, it blows my mind. Yeah, <laughs> I, I that was, is a hell of a first story. That's a hell bro. of a first story to fucking start with. It was funny because I had zero expectation. I was just doing it for myself, so I put it up and did not expect anything to happen to it. And that that at the time really went. It's the went perfect viral. amount of self aware mm-hmm. within being terrifying like i just i I, it's so it's so hard to kind of bring in what's so scary about it but uh, i think cannibal siren said it earlier it's the analog horror aspect of it Mm -hmm. it's Mm -hmm. the idea that you're looking at it through the lens of outdated or possibly uh, obsolete technology just knowing too much becoming aware putting you in a specific feeling Mm -hmm. um yeah, that's that's one hell of a first story. Um, yeah, if it's I were one to... of those things you could never like intentionally meet with the same success again. Like, right. Oh, sure. The, the lightning strikes twice type yeah. of thing. No, yeah. but it's but it's a hell of a starting point and it's a hell of a motivator. I'm yeah. sure oh, yeah. I'm sure seeing that story succeed immediately told you, well, well, now I have a place to put these and now it's going to mm-hmm. it's going to continue to kind of follow in that success. And I'm sure you got a ton of followers that way. That's the you know, I. I'd say you had us even before that story. Mm-hmm. Oh, that's um, good to hear. <laughs> yeah, because I don't think I don't think we read that one first. I think we read no. a different one first. Okay. Um, yeah. We if did. I remember I correctly, I don't think it was a Nora that we read first. But I could be I could be wrong. If it was the first one we read, then like fucking cool. I'm really yeah. feeling like Eleanor was one of the first ones. I think we so read. too. I really feel like I feel like we were doing a bunch of one offs and we and we had like Eleanor Mm -hmm. or or I Mm -hmm. I know I read Maggie before I read any of them with you. I read Mm -hmm. Maggie on like episode like eight. Mm -hmm. Maggie Maggie was real quick. Um, Well, if you look at the story, if you go to one page wonder and you start with Anora's at the bottom, if you just work your way up, everything's chronological. I figured as much. And so I figured as much when I found your website, all of them were there. So I could have been going in a completely mm -hmm. different order. Yeah, no. And a lot of times I go by page count, too, when it comes to when it comes to figuring out the length of an episode. So that's why that's why we hop around so much, honestly. But you can just 
I don't know. You can see my process there because then like Eleanor, I wrote that specifically to do a person, a second person story. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Story where, and then channel 71 is because I wanted to write a third person story. Mm-hmm. Uh, the olive thing was just, I wanted to try to write just dialogue. a dialogue. Yeah. yeah. So they're just kind of writing exercises to begin with. I love it. Um, if I were to ask you, which, what is your own favorite story you've written? What would you say? Um, I think I like full size candy bars and like Zobelius the Ravisher. Those are that's my that's my natural writing. Like I grew up on Vonnegut, and like I'm a big George Saunders fan. So those are kind of my the influences I take too. That's awesome. And you've you've already answered this. Um, is writing more of a hobby career? Or both you obviously already said that you you do kind of other types of writing, um, as like a job. Uh, yeah, when I had, especially when I started this, because uh, I was working for a dot com, so I had to produce a lot of materials um, of all sorts, from marketing materials to to user licensing agreements, and that's why I started writing fiction. It's just to give myself a creative outlet. So it's purely a hobby. It's just purely an outlet for me. That's all it is. Um, and now I now I have to ask to be a little bit selfish. Mm-hmm. How how did you find lots of pasta? Um, you know, I think through Google because I will occasionally check in and just see where my stories have gone. Just because over the years that used everything, used, people used to go to One Page Wonder to find my stuff. Mm-hmm. But mm-hmm. now it's all on YouTube. You know, people reading it on YouTube or the various creepy pasta wikis. Or how, like, how does that make you feel? Um, I understand that it's inevitable, mm-hmm. but I kind of like. I miss the days when you can go to somebody's site and you get to see their content. And it right. was, I think a little bit more special that way. Yeah. And I, plus, like, like, no, nobody that's the experience we have looking at your website. So like, yeah, like I, I feel that. Mm-hmm. And I know like those days are gone, but I don't know. Right. I miss it a little bit. I, I do too, especially because you didn't used to be fucking like assaulted with ads. Oh, on of every, course. Every website that you go on to, it's just, it's so obnoxious. It's uh, well, like... <laughs> I also just think that the internet has gone to a completely different place now versus when a page like this was, was initially birthed, mm-hmm. you know, like a page like this really, really was doing its own thing well mm-hmm. before the likes mm-hmm. of like no sleep really, really rocketing off. And even, even we'll get into that later, but it's just like when, I imagine Anora might have been the first thing like picked up and read somewhere live for you. What was like the first like feeling you had when you had someone read something that came from your website? Did you think it was like, oh, cool. Or were you just kind of bummed? Uh, I think a little bit of both. And I think um, being bummed about it is just kind of because nobody attributes. Uh, nobody gives credit anymore or they, right. you know, they don't uh. give a link. They don't mention the source and it's not really, I mean, nowadays it's nobody's fault because if you find one of my stories on the internet, mm-hmm. you'll have no clue because you've already found it from somebody else who's copied it from somebody else. And right. just, I mean, that's the internet. You just have no control. Well, that. in that case, I'm really fucking glad that I shout out your episode and your website literally every time we've read your stories. <laughs> like, um, it's, I mean, it's important for anybody's story. You, you know, you're, it's always good to, credit the I I try to say where I try to say where I got them from Mm -hmm. more than anything just so people can go and find them themselves um I a while ago I think I remember 
someone telling me uh, not to say authors to avoid like clout writing, like tail writing. And mm. I didn't, I wanted the podcast to be its own thing. Like we're also discussing and critiquing these stories. So mm. I also didn't want to like personally get up someone's ass and offend them outright. So, sure. so I, I always try to say where I got them so that people can go and enjoy them on those sites the same exact way that we found them. Mm. Um, but I don't, I I remember there was a reason why I didn't put authors down. And I also remember there being a reason I should have started saying authors a long time ago. So it's mm -hmm. still something I'm, I'm personally working on, but now that I have you here and I've actually poked someone's brain about it, I'm going to be better at doing that in the future. Well, I think if somebody takes the time to like make something and put it on the internet, I don't know. I, I mean, I, I also even... feel that. I also feel that. Um, what I also wanted to ask about our show is I know, I know obviously you've listened to episodes where we've read um, your stories. Have mm -hmm. you ever actually listened to us read any other people's stories? I have. And I actually tried to get through one of your episodes, starting the novelization of a story that I'm not going to name. And that was uh that was an experience. Um, I can cut it, but I'm 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 wondering which one it was. Yeah, now I'm dying. I can okay, cut. I can you... cut it. As, I was about I will... to say you can't say that. Now I have to know. Well, no, I, I'll cut it out of the episode. <laughs> I'll cut it out of the episode, but I do want to know. Well, I don't. Yeah, I don't like to say anything bad about somebody who's just trying to write. But uh, oh. Yes. Yeah. That was Oof. bad. Was. yeah that was that was tough um but it's funny to it's funny to have all the horrors realized um the minute you're in the in the yeah. in balls deep in a story and you realize just how bad it is right there's something beautiful about that moment um but anyway uh now you guys persevere like i cannot believe how many episodes of this you've done <laughs> you, you are like now like the expert on creepy pasta, and it's just astounding to me. I love that. You've, you've um, read all of it. I I really haven't though. There's so much I haven't read. Like I my <laughs> list is constantly growing, and every time I get rid of a project I really looked forward to, like the most recent series I did with Cannibal Siren, the apartment mm -hmm. series. Like oh, God, once that was so once good. that comes out and once that's done. People are going to be like, what is next? Because that series was amazing. It was and, very, very and, good. And that one came out in 2016. So I'm like, fuck, what else mm -hmm. has come out in the last six years that has been really good that I, I totally didn't pay attention to? So for me, that's um, we're always kind of upping, you know, upping the expectations and changing the game a little bit and trying to find the next best thing. But that's also meaning the next best disappointment. Because right. for every left-right game, like for me, left-right game is the fucking epitome of, like, my favorite thing we've done on the show. Um, for every left-right game, there's like a um, Spire in the Woods, which is like a all-hype, no-actual-pull-off kind of disappointed. Uh. And both of them are like five episodes long. So it's like... With left right game, I felt like there was a massive payoff. You get to the fifth episode on Spire in the Woods and you're just depressed. 
you know, it's it's kind of like Baraska. Baraska hits you with that gut punch right in the last act, and then the guy felt the need to write some kind of unnecessary sequel, and it just fucking it undoes all of the pain, and that's not cool because we wanted the pain. <laughs> so anyway, um, you've listened to other episodes. Um, uh, do you do you have any shout outs for anyone else on the show that you like to listen to other than myself and Cannibal Siren? Uh, I don't remember anybody's names, to be honest. With you. I was going to I was always one. My the only reason I ask is because if you were someone who listens to like the chaotic episodes where mm-hmm. where it's really just me and someone making fun of something for nothing but like an hour because the yep. story because the story was awful. I would want to know mm-hmm. what stood out in your mind. But if you don't have one, that is okay. Um, now, this is a fun question because I want to know what what's a favorite story of yours that we've read, and why why did you like us reading that story for you of your own? Um. I think you guys excel at anything with dialogue because you get to show off your skills. I like you know, as, as actors. <laughs> I, and, I appreciate and I, that. I, think, <laughs> I, I don't know. I think anything that shows your chemistry, I think it, it helps. So it makes my story sound better. You appreciate the dialogue. It, well, when the material's there, it's not that hard for what it's worth. Like, <laughs> that, no, but I, I think those, like, I think like, uh, um uh full size candy bars i you, i think you guys just absolutely got the tone and nailed that story <laughs> the, the scared parents <laughs> alone in their house <laughs> wondering where the weapons are mhm sometimes you just got to keep track of the house machete <laughs> <laughs> for when the trick or treaters come back <laughs> i also i also think of uh of wiry boy but I, but at the same time i think of um I think of Eleanor, like even the first time we read Eleanor, I was just like, all right, cannibal, just try to sound as meek and pathetic as you can. I'm going to be confused as fuck. Go. And, Mm -hmm. and it just, it worked. It worked so well for what the story required. (laughs) Um, Now the next question uh, right off the tip of that is there's anything we've said on this show that has pissed you off. As as a writer, like, did we ever say something about something you've written and you've been like, what the fuck? I would love to know this, actually. <laughs> uh, you know, I'm trying to think, but uh, well, number one, I'm on the show right now, so that should answer that. But uh, <laughs> true, I guess we can't. Hey, I even if something can... pissed you off, I'd still laugh and, and love hearing about it. That's the thing. Like, you can agree to be here. I, I wasn't I was actually talking earlier today. I was like, I was like this guy's going to come on here and he's going to be like, I only agreed to come here to tell you that your podcast fucking sucks peace. <laughs> and then like, just, and like, I'm recording that and I'm like, well, shit, let's read some more of this guy's stories. Then <laughs> like that, I mean, I, that was, was my backup idea. <laughs> let's, I, let's read those angrily now. So, uh, <laughs> I mean, if no, you came uh, on with a blood vendetta, it's like, you know what? Good for you. That's commitment. <laughs> right. See, I looked at it the same way. No, to me, this is just all fun and I don't take it, too seriously but to 
to get to your point, every I, I think what I would say is that every time you guys have pointed something out, you've been 100% right. <laughs> don't well, tell I, me that. So, I think don't you're batting a thousand there because, you know, tr- just doing writing at home and then trying to, to edit and proof. And, it, and you can't really, you can ask other people to like proofread for you, but nobody right. really wants to, you know, and, so it's not to uh, you, like you hear it out loud ooh. and you go, oh, okay. I actually do. I actually do. I love when uh, I have a lot of friends that write and I often tell them to send me things to to have me look at them. I've I've proofed tons of stuff for tons of people. I have no problem. And it, and when they're writing with me knowing that I'd like what they're writing, I enjoy it more. Mm-hmm. Like I used I to know. proof. I used to proof everything Gestalt wrote and he would send me everything. Mark Rooster. We just read a story of his on the show and um he hadn't touched it in like 10 years and he just appreciated me giving some attention to it. Um, I have no problem doing that, but I also understand that there's like a, uh, a stigmatism in like asking people to work for you, <laughs> like asking sure, people to, yeah. to give their full undivided attention in this day and age. Mm-hmm. So like, I, I no, get, I get that. I completely feel your pain there. Cause like I, I'm when I'm doing my own projects and stuff like that, it's like, I always have people who might offer to like, uh, you know, like proofread or something, which is fantastic. And I'm always like all about it. But then, you know, it might take a while and you don't want to be like, hey, can you finish? Because, you mm-hmm. know, they're doing you a favor already. Yeah. So you just end up like kind of not either not getting the feedback or it doesn't happen. Not in, like, getting the, right the feedback timeline. you need at that point. Yeah. Right. Exactly. So then you just kind of not getting to... honest feedback. You know? Right. Right. Because then you That's also have thing. people who don't want to hurt your feelings. Riding that line. Yeah. But it's um, like, bro, I, it's okay. You're not gonna hurt my feelings. That I goes need to in. Know. That goes into the next question I had. Was like, did anything we say ever stick with you to the point of like being relatively constructive, where you were like, ah, you know what? That stance. Well, I mean, you kind of did say that already. Like, objectively, you 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 say that we're right. Don't ever tell me I'm right. <laughs> yeah, I, he's never gonna. Show I want to be. It. I want to be wrong. <laughs> I was I t- I keep trying to tell people how wrong I want to be because I love learning, um, but if you tell me I'm right, I'm gonna keep being an asshole with all of my logic. <laughs> so, true. No, I mean, I can't think of a specific. But you guys, a lot of I, I've always felt like all your criticism is 100 percent valid. That's um, okay. And have taken it to heart. So I will just I will leave it at that. I appreciate huh? that. Um, I do have specific questions about specific stories now and only a okay. cu- only a couple. I wanted <laughs> I think Cannibal you can appreciate this question. Sure. Mr. Stringy how and why? <laughs> yeah, actually. <laughs> that's all the, um, that's all it says, Mr. Stringy how and why. Okay. Uh <laughs> At least it didn't say how could you. <laughs> I when I started writing, I, st- I started just kind of checking off the boxes. So like haunted doll. I'm getting that. But Mr. Stringy, yeah. how and why? <laughs> <laughs> where did the na- oh, so what where box did, the did name- you get to little doll? <laughs> and where did the name come from? Also, I'm just yeah. curious. This, uh, is, the, this have- is the stuff I want to know. <laughs> uh, I think it was just because it was a doll with like. When I, I I pictured like an old Raggedy Ann doll, okay. I have a template for this, hundred uh, percent. And so I was just thinking stringy hair, and it wasn't any more complicated than that. Okay. 
Hey, there's beauty in simplicity. Yeah. Yeah. And my take on that story was like, I don't, I always try to kind of just step back a little bit and say like, well, if this thing were, or like, if this were to happen, if you had a haunted doll, like what's the more likely explanation? Mm-hmm. And I think it's, it's that the person's haunted or mentally mm-hmm. ill, not, not the doll. And that's, that's kind of the spirit of Mr. Stringy. I got and you. The, the and problem is they go into the sequel with having the baby. Is she does, she's afraid she'll pass on Aunt Cicely's mental illness. And mm-hmm. that's the whole thing. It's not actually about Stringy at all. I, right. I, I love it. I think that's why it resonates with us so much. I think that's why Mr. Stringy is like your icon because I just, the depth, the depth of Mr. Stringy, what he's able to get away with, uh, in, in the psyche of mankind. It's Mm. such a, it's such a beautiful, (laughs) it's such a beautiful thing because you are essentially right now saying Mr. Stringy is what you make it. Uh Yeah. If you want to, you can read it straight as a haunted doll story. That's, you are literally saying that the weaknesses that you provide, like the fears that you provide Mr. Stringy with literally as a doll, as nothing more than a doll mm-hmm. will come back to haunt you. I love And it. just being a physical reminder of that, mm-hmm. of that fear. I, that's so, that's such a universal fear. There's mm-hmm. so, that's such an adaptable fear. And, um, and I love it. That's great. That's exactly how I wanted you to answer that question. Good job. <laughs> Next one is Honora. Do you really understand how much this haunted me? <laughs> uh, no. Have I expressed? Have I expressed it enough? Because I feel like every time I talk about it, a part of me dies a little bit. <laughs> There was a point in college, like right when we read this, I was sitting, we were sitting in your dark fucking dorm room, Cannibal, staring <laughs> at a laptop. It was an apartment. It was an apartment. Thank you. It was a no, terrible No, but that's the context. But that's the context, though, is like we're in this, we're in this <laughs> dark room staring at a laptop and we pick up a Wikipedia page that essentially killed someone with like devil powers. And we it's were true. both, we were both just like, well, we're going to be haunted now. And I gave, <laughs> and I gave cannibal Siren a hug. Like I may never see her again. And I, and I left <laughs> and I left and I drove two hours home, probably in silence, just thinking about this story at like midnight mm-hmm. on, on like no. a Tuesday. And it it's just, true, it though. just fucking got me. It was perfect time. Perfect place. Um, perfect age, perfect relevancy. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's yeah. funny that you mentioned like how viscerally you remember where we were and what we were doing when we read that story, because mm-hmm. I remember you leaving and I closed the door and I was alone in my dark. <laughs> and I was like, okay. <laughs> and you like double locked the door, right? I, admit, I, oh, yeah. I like, I, I like got place. home and I very quickly got to my front door and I was like, I like looked around and I got into the house and then I proceeded to check all of the locks in this entire house before going down to my basement and then locking my door and being like, okay, I can go to bed now. (laughs) That story made me so uncomfortable. Like just the feeling of literally just the feeling of being watched by something that you can't watch, like something that is watching you that you cannot see something that knows way too much. Mm -hmm. 
I don't I don't ever want to find a website with my name on it that has no knowledge past my current perception about right, me. Yeah. What is, what is that evil. fear of people? Is it is it really the does it really come down to the kind of like oh uh, well it said there's an old witch on the on the outskirts of town and if you ask her she'll tell you your future? Is that like is that where that fear comes from? I don't know. I think like with the Anora story, it's like it almost makes it deterministic, right? Mm-hmm. 100%. So you don't have any free will. You you read that fact. Right, exactly. And then that is what it is, and there's nothing you can change it. There's and nothing I, you can do. Every choice think, you make is the wrong one. Right, but isn't that the same type of the, fear of, like, the old the old hag living on the outskirts of town mm-hmm. who essentially yeah. tells you your future, mm-hmm. and, you're, and you try to deny it your entire life, right? Yeah. You know, you try to, you try to say, like, that's not how I'm going to go out, and then that's exactly how you go out. Right, I mean, that's, that's why nobody, whenever people talk about it, almost nobody, like, wants to know when they're going to die. Because, mm-hmm. like, that's they're... Right, everyone, because there is comfort in not knowing. Because Ignorance. at least when you don't know, you know, you, you everything feels, uh, what's the word? Everything feels endless, as long as you don't Safe, know that it's coming. passive, right. yeah. Passive, and then once you know when it's coming, you'll spend the rest of your life thinking about that day and counting down. Oh, yeah, if you knew the, the actual date you would die, it would just... It would destroy you mentally. <laughs> right. Yeah. You would literally never come back from that because the whole no. rest of your life would be a part in, like, of me would terror. a part of me would lose my shit so much that I'd put a gun in my mouth and pull the trigger just to be like, it's not the day, fucker. And like if my phone, <laughs> if, if my if my uh, if my gun backfired like a million times in a row, like like Final Destination. Um, oh my God. When the guy tries, the guy tries to kill himself in Final Destination. He's like, well, if I'm next in the loop, I should die right now. And he pulls the trigger and it doesn't work like seven times in a row um yep then then i would crumble as a person into a small into a small ball Uh, it's time to go lay in the ocean until the date arrives (laughs) exactly just lay face down in the water and wait i guess (laughs) that's fun um (laughs) the next story i wanted to ask about was and this is the last one that i have questions in in regards to a specific story and i'm gonna ask cannibal if she has any um a nice wiry boy. The only okay. the only question I have is there more to this than meets the eye? Is it really just a story just about a girl looking to get spooked out by a lake and then they witness something strange? Or or is is there something supernatural going on there in your head, in your frame? In my head, there's nothing going on supernaturally with that story. That's I wrote that number one because the the hitchhiking ghost is like one of my favorite old urban. Legends. I love that shit, mm-hmm. and and all the versions it comes from. I just love that. So I, I knew I couldn't write that story, mm-hmm. but I kind of wanted to write that story. But so you wanted to write that story. It, See, yeah. I had to, I had to ask because if there was something more going on there, I'd have to go back and read it. Because we very much just read it as which I which I made fun of is riding in cars with boys. <laughs> like it's <Right>? literally <laughs> it's literally just like how mom got pregnant with you. You oh. you were unplanned and mm-hmm. she was in high school. You stupid fuck. Um, I was about to say. I mean, like there there's a there's a horror aspect attached to that. If you're <laughs> well, that was that was my other motivation from it. it was just it reminded me like growing up in the suburbs mm-hmm. in high school when you had your car. And right. everybody would head out on the weekends. And there, 
I just looking back, there was so much trauma like mm-hmm. that we all had and nobody addressed it back then and stuff, but like just violence and people with bad home lives. And that kind of was also all into the story. So I, yeah, okay. without a doubt. Uh, Cannibal, did you have any specific questions about specific stories? Actually? Yes. I wanted to talk a little bit more about channel 71 um, okay. because we, we kind of briefly touched on that for a minute. And I, it's a good I've one. noticed, Part of one, uh, you know, part of the things that makes your stories appealing is that there is that element of realism that I think makes creepypastas in general so special. Mm-hmm. Um, but with Channel Seventy One specifically, I was getting um, like in. I, I've noticed there's a lot of like uh, supernatural themes in your work. There's a lot of uh, there's definitely like themes of mental illness, and I absolutely think that came into play with Channel Seventy One. But I also got a very like liminal sort of like interdimensional backrooms almost vibe from it. And I was just curious mm. if that was like part of what you were going for or if it you were going, uh, leaning more towards like the kind of like mental health angle. Cause I definitely saw both, but I'm just curious to hear you talk about that one. Or just the spooky, just the spook angle. Yeah. Just, I, you know, the creepy ass, the regular, the, the regular creepy ass ghost, you know, I, for me, channel 71 is very Stephen King. It's yeah, very like it's very like The Shining. Like mm-hmm. it's just mm-hmm. a person being in an uncomfortable place until it slowly drives them insane. Mm-hmm. And it's and it's and it is through mental illness, but it is also through supernatural, you know, circumstance. So for me that's like I I would I would genuinely and this is by no like by no judgment at all literally call Channel 71 like your shining. Like it's it's such an it's such an interesting story. Mm-hmm. Oh, thanks. My going into that, my whole premise was um, just what if you moved in to a haunted house? That's mm-hmm. bad. And that was bad. just the story, everything from the moment you set in is just on rails. There's nothing you can do to stop it. That right. that was the premise for Channel 71. So there was that guy was never ever going to make a decision that would alter <laughs> the course of anything. And you're just a lot. You know, the reader, you're just along for the ride for that. Right, without a doubt. So that's interesting to me, too, because we just talked about that, like, the terror of inevitability. And we also mm-hmm. mentioned With that Anora. in the yeah. Right, and, like, you know, the slow-moving inevitable monster. It's like, yeah, it's slow, but it's coming. And, mm-hmm. like, and it's, I've no, that definitely seems to be something that you do a lot in your stories that I absolutely love. So it's it's funny to hear you, like, just, like, just, just agree to specify, it. Yeah, yeah, that it's like, yeah, nope. <laughs> he was never going to get out of that there was no way it was just over the minute they set foot in there yeah perfect love and, it any other questions regarding stories i'm skimming over our list right now um i oh you know what i actually this isn't really a question i just wanted to say that something else that i liked so much and it kind of goes back to full-size candy bars and then also the same uh which sort of attaches to channel 71 and many many of your other stories but Um, There's like something to be said about how horrifying things that are like normal slash look normal until they aren't Mm -hmm. like can be. And I feel like full size candy bars does such a good job with that. And I feel like channel 71 also kind of like does a really good job making something that is objectively like maybe a little bit more mundane. Like, you know, like you made the joke about like eating a lot of chicken. Right. But at the same (laughs) time, when we were reading that, it was fucking horrifying. Like the mental oh, yeah. image was just like so disturbing. Yeah. And I was like, and then of course, you know, you look back and you're like, yeah, I mean, he was just eating a shitload of chicken, 
but like but there's it was something so gross like yeah right no it it's still horrifying. gross i can't i can't get through an entire rotisserie by myself you fucking kidding me like no, it's I mean, just the idea in itself is, is just I grotesque was, maybe if i was like oh it is, yeah it, grotesque is that that's the right word right it is and i just wanted to say that i appreciate in how many of your stories have this like lovely it's like such a nice little like this is normal and then you look closer and it's absolutely not and just Mm. knowing how unnormal it is makes you feel so viscerally uncomfortable and horrified i i will say when i think about the spectrum of the stories you've written i think i think you definitely fit in between this kind of like best of creepypasta section or like light no sleep credential because in my head like the internet fiction world goes in like five different directions and it's Mm -hmm. like this is either like a shitty blog post a troll pasta a creepypasta a no sleep or like an unsettling story and I don't mm-hmm. know if you've read unsettling stories before or if you've been on their website, but like no, I've heard you guys. They are number one, like gross out horror. Like mm-hmm. they are, they are num- They do not pull a fucking punch when it comes to the grossest thing you can imagine, and like that's not something you do in your no. stories. Like they are good at that. That is their niche. That is what they strive for. Like it is the worst possible thing you can think of being you know, able to happen within that scope. And it's going to wait until the literally sometimes the dime drop of the last sentence to prove that fear wrong. And I know a lot of no sleeps can go in that direction, but it's definitely not the breadth of like no sleep quality. Mm -hmm. And I'm not, and I'm not saying this in any sort of judgment of creepypasta at all, but no sleeps tend to be a little bit more believable. They tend to be a little bit more slice of life. They tend to be a little bit more, realistic um so i would say a lot of your stories definitely fall in the kind of i'm just a regular person this is something extraordinary happening to me in the circumstances of the context of the story um, well isn't that what horror would be though yes I mean, yes but creepypastas at the end of the day tend to go into like creature feature territory oh gotcha or yeah. like sloppy 80s slasher mm-hmm. flicks um genre storytelling like they they want to do the thanksgiving story about the killing killing turkey you know like mm. that's creepy pasta oh, it's on the nose <laughs> creepy pasta's on the nose so i would say like the most the most like the most creepy pasta of your work is probably something like eleanor mm-hmm but the most no sleep of your work is something like full-size candy bars or like Mr. Stringy. So like in my Mm -hmm. head, your, your writing fits like its own subgenre. Like your stuff, your stuff very so much has your kind of your own original sound behind it is what I mean to say. I've always approached kind of saying and reading your stuff as if they weren't just like found on no sleep, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, I'm looking at the rest of my questions and I feel like we answered most of them already. So I'm just going to kind of jump around. Um, the next question I just wanted to know if you've, if you've read any recently that you've been into, um, any type of, um, 
horror, short fiction, um, online, physical book. Um, if, there, if there's anything you would recommend right now. Uh, I don't read creepypastas or no sleeps and okay. I, I do that intentionally. You did. Um, you did answer that earlier. Yeah. Yeah. Um, do you read any like long-term fiction? Do you read any? I do. So I'm or... right now I'm in the, I'm in the middle of on earth. We're briefly gorgeous by ocean Vuong, which is an amazing book. And I need to finish that. Um, <laughs> but it, it's one of those, it, it's an actual book, but it's, it's one of those that just makes me stop every so often just to marvel at how good of a writer he is and he's young and it's just infuriating. That's awesome. Um, <laughs> and then before that, I read, uh, I think voices in the night by Steve Milhauser and he writes kind of, uh, realistic, uh, fantasy. Oh, I love that. I can but dig he, that. He, he does it as like literature, I would say. Um, and, and he's fan that book was fantastic too. It's just a, a collection of short stories. I, so if I you're looking for something like, yeah, kind of, kind of horror adjacent, I would highly definitely uh, recommend checking him out. Nice. Um, I have, the, I have those opened up on my uh, internet tab <laughs> next to peanut butter blossoms because I could not for the life of me comprehend of what that cookie was. And then oh. I looked it up and felt so stupid. I know. What those I are. Those. <laughs> it's literally the peanut butter cookie with everyone the, uh, knows Hershey kiss in the middle, right? <laughs> yeah. Literally everyone knows what they are except me apparently. But once I opened it up, I was like, Oh, uh, I know what yeah. that is. Mm. So I'm just going to bookmark that. I guess. <laughs> um, I guess my last questions are, um, <laughs> why did you agree to do this interview with us? And now that it's over, do you regret it? <laughs> uh, number one, I've never done a podcast. Uh, so there's the bucket list. Hell yeah. <laughs> <laughs> number two, I seriously, like, I can't overstate it that, I think the way you guys, your approach to stories, I just love it. So if I can help support you <laughs> in any possible way, I will, uh, thank you I, so I'm much. I'm behind it hundred percent. Thank you so much. Like you, you I, know, drone, you 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 got the right kind of commentary and discussion following this. It's just perfect. And like and like you accredited earlier, I I I love to point out to the talent that I bring to the uh, to the storytelling mm -hmm. department because if I don't have people like. Uh, Campbell Siren and Django Phillips and, and Tenron Otrin, mm -hmm. just to name a, a few. Where am I? Like people who just really get into the fucking character of reading mm -hmm. of reading a, of a person sometimes like it, it makes the story just so much more accessible to listen to when you have people who care about the material reading it. Because like some of these YouTube creepypastas, again, not to shit on anyone, is really just like a guy reading like a manual. Like no, you said it earlier, I mean, it's just like the same tone, the same voice, just kind of it's it's like it's been plugged into one of those um, text to speech. Yeah. 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 And I hate that <laughs> stories. Best. The best audiobooks I've listened to have honestly been like, I don't know. They like got to be a little theatrical, right? The you newer, the newer Lord yeah. of the Rings ones with like Andy Serkis, like he's bringing everything he mm -hmm. can to reading Gerald Tolkien's original shit. So like. If we're going to read these, we're going to read these with some fucking attitude, you know, like I, the last, the last thing I want to do is be boring. When a story is boring, it is so easy to tell when we're, when we're mm -hmm. reading. So when you can tell that we're throwing character, we're throwing time into things. And even when, 
we can get through an entire paragraph without interjecting. You know, if we could get through entire pages without interjecting, then we're just enjoying it. It's you know, true. like we really are, like you said it, like the people around the campfire just fucking jiving. And, and ever since we came up with the show, I always remember people telling me that the reason they liked it is because whether they're alone or not in, in whatever room or setting they're in, they could put it on and feel like they're just sitting on a couch talking with someone. No, exactly. Just hanging out. I think is the way like most people would say it. It's just like just hanging out with your buddies and, and literally having a, a stupid conversation about something totally inconsequential. And it's, well, it's just, so funny. Cause when I first got on this, I heard you guys talking and it just made me think I was listening to one of your episodes. <laughs> it took me a few minutes to realize, like, Oh, I might have to talk. Like, it's so <laughs> funny. It's so funny. You are not actually the first person to say that on this show. Um, when we so I started having fans onto the mm -hmm. show somewhere in the last like oh, two cool. seasons and I've never met I've never met Glitch Blob. He lives in Colorado. He I found him on YouTube and he followed us on uh, SoundCloud and he was very vocal in the comment section. Mm -hmm. And then I found his YouTube and I was like, holy shit, this guy like does stuff. I'm going to have him on the show. And he and it's been wild like playing games with him and, and moving forward and like actually getting to know him. But uh, the second person we had on was actually from New Zealand. And when she came on the show, she was so just at first, just like shocked to be like sitting here reading stories, like with just, just with me, you know? And, uh, and I, I find that like, I'm so grateful to be able to have that experience with someone I will probably never meet in my, never. in my like living life. So, um, I really appreciate you being here. I really appreciate you coming and agreeing to do this. I cannot say it enough. Like we, we have, we have been looking forward to this ever since you messaged us. And I think if I, if I'm not mistaken, Mark exclamation point, Mark, you reached out to us because you, you thought I was ending the show with the title of the episode. <laughs> this is the last episode of the podcast. Yeah. And I was like, so in, uh, I don't know. I, I think I was feeling a little bit deflated when that came out and I was like, oh, I totally get it. So I just kind of wanted to say thank you because I was like, I I don't know. I was just in the mindset like, yeah, I could totally give up on something after like putting so many years into it. <laughs> and then it turned out to be turned after, out not after the after the credits, I I come in with the fucking air horns. Burr, 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 burr. You fucking fell for it, you simps. <laughs> this show isn't over. This shit is easy. I could do this in my sleep. This is this show's gonna be going on for ten more years, fuckers. I hope you got your fucking seatbelt ready. Like I I for a lot for a lot of like the background of the story and getting people to come over and, and record and stuff. It's never been hard. The only <laughs> thing it's ever been is time consuming. And anyone who's passionate about, about anything in life is going to find that it takes work and it takes time. So whether your passion is writing, drawing, singing, acting, like reading, literally something as mechanical as reading, like it's going to take fucking work and it's going to take fucking time. So 
for this show, I think I just needed to come to terms with the fact that like I need to take a fucking break sometimes and I need to fucking do something else every once in a while. But as long as this doesn't turn into work and people are always down to do it, I'm going to keep on keeping on until until people become unavailable or tell me that they don't want to do it anymore. And like I have someone here with me, like Cannibal Siren, who literally every time we finish a story, she goes, that was better than the last one we read. And <laughs> and every time she always says, like, thank you for doing this. Like, like, this is so much fun. And like, ditto, like same sis, mm -hmm. like right back at you. But like, like you listen to the show, you've listened to us read your shit, like mm -hmm. your appreciation, like right back at you. Like, thank you. Thank you for writing this stuff. Thank you for coming here and being a part of it. Um, another huge, just huge shout out to One Page Wonder. Huge shout out to Stories to Read Alone at Night. Check out the website. Give it some hits. Give it some reads. The um, just if anything, just go check out Anora. I'm I'm not even fucking kidding. Just go go for Anora and be haunted because yeah. the 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 way it the way you pull it off on that website it's it stays with you. So if anything, do it for Anora. Hashtag do and, it for Anora. And honestly, like for me, read Mr. Stringy, please. <laughs> <laughs> Let us start a type of GoFundMe to make Mr. Stringy dolls a reality. <laughs> oh my God! Can you imagine? So that I can mail Mr. all Stringy of them to Cannibal Siren. Ah, uh, you know what? I changed my mind. Actually, <laughs> <laughs> um, well, if you if you are curious, back when that story came out, a few quite a few people made fan art of Mr. Stringy, and I'm sure oh, yeah. some of it is still around Tumblr or wherever. Oh yeah, I used a I used a picture of it for for the campaign that I made. Um, most people don't know like the the physical copy of that game. I have like little printed pieces of like literally all creepypasta lore that oh, I used for that game. So there absolutely is a little dime piece, uh, Mr. Stringy like figure to that game that I, I had found online and made from someone's fan art. So like a hundred percent I've, I've seen the fan art for your characters online before. <laughs> no, I'm, I just did like an image search for Mr. Stringy and I'm not going to lie. He's kind of cute. There's, <laughs> there's something, there's something adorable about that toothy, he's, that toothy I grin. Mean, yeah. He's like fucked up looking, but who, you know what? Who isn't? Who isn't? Uh, Mark, any, any shout outs, any last words for, for, any of our list loyal listeners <laughs> no i just wanted to say thank you and there will be a few more stories to read alone at night before the end of the year this is always the time of year when i do most of my writing so yeah fantastic you don't you don't have to worry about running out of of those amazing bill day that was that mm -hmm. was that was amazing Indeed. That was good shit. That was good shit. I'm gonna draw Bill, honestly. And we still <laughs> and we still have He's three doing. other stories to read too. So we're not done with stories to read alone at night. And I'm and I'm happy to hear that there are more on the way. I just, um, you know, you're just gonna have to stay tuned to hear what we say next. And maybe okay. and maybe we'll have Mark back for an episode two. Uh, are you mad at us yet? check <laughs> anytime because because now like now that you're here now that we know that you've been okay with this we're really not gonna let it <laughs> let it slide on the next ones we're really gonna be like critical we're gonna we're gonna break out the the 
the nice fine china and we're gonna sit down and really take take a steak knife to it i look forward to it <laughs> well thank you again mark thank you oh, so thank much you guys thank you good and, to meet you yeah good and, to meet you too and i hope everyone else enjoyed it again check out his stuff um we'll we'll be back for another spooky story to read alone at night sometime soon i wait till the day's end when the moon is high Sure.